The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Norton, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith and Danny from the NJPW EXT. On today's show, we'll be reviewing the first two nights of the G1 Climax 31, answering listener questions, and covering all latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for njpwworld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and share playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. Danny, young boy, what's going on, guys? Not much. I love how you read that spot. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you get chills every time. <laughs> Yeah, I guess since this is your first time here, it's your first time actually hearing us do that live. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware that that was the case. Yeah, I know. People are like, you actually reread that every week? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah, because, Jer- you know, Jeremy puts a lot of, like, effort, heart, and soul into it, you know? I can see that. <laughs> well, uh, before we uh, dive into G1 and everything coming up, uh, young boy, do you want to give your update right now? Yeah, so um, obviously I haven't been on the show uh, the past couple weeks, and uh, Danny, I'm sorry to do this when you're on the on the episode. I don't want to, you know, step on your phone because we're glad you're here. We're gonna get into the G1 here in just a moment, but um, kind of just doing a little housekeeping, letting you guys know what's been going on. Um, so you know, Jeremy had mentioned previous weeks that there was like a tragedy or a death that was kind of keeping me from the show. Um, basically, and some, some, actually some listeners that are connected to me on social media, the, the limited social media I have kind of know, but um, my brother actually passed away. Uh, what was the most recent holiday? Uh, Labor, Labor Day. Day. Yeah. Yeah. The evening of Labor Day, um, he actually committed suicide. And so it was really, 
really, really tough and detrimental, um, you know, to our family and just a, a really tough, tragic loss, still something that we're kind of reeling from and trying to get through, um, you know, reaching out, getting some help myself for the situation, but, you know, wanted to be here with you guys because, you know, doing the show is actually in a certain way, kind of cathartic and therapeutic for me, but, um, just up front, haven't watched the G1 barely, you know, kind of keeping tabs on what's going on with wrestling. Um, but I am, I'm aware what's happening with the G1. So this is kind of, I'm going to kind of be like color here today. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are kind of, I'm going to rely on uh, you and Danny as kind of play by play. Um, throughout this G1 tournament, because it's already starting to go, I will try to get caught up. But, you know, between things with my family, things with my career, uh, it is highly likely that I won't be seeing the entire G1 the way that we do every year. Uh, I just kind of want to set that expectation with the audience. You guys know that we literally dredge through, you know, you name it, like World Tag Leagues, Super Junior Tag Leagues, Super, you know, Best Super Junior. It doesn't matter what it is. We, we literally, you know, every Road 2 show. Um, this is probably happening, you know, there's never a good time for it, but, you know, Obviously, this is one of the busiest times of the year for New Japan and for the podcast. But, um, you know, wrapping my head around devoting full attention to how, how long are the shows right now? Two and a half hours? What, the three. G1 shows? Yeah. Yeah, they're like three hours. Yeah, so like wrapping my head around full attention to a three-hour show, breaking it down, it's been kind of difficult. But, um, you know, not leaving the show or anything like that. It's just, uh, you know, it's a terrible tragedy for my family. Um, one thing though, that you guys can do, um, if you're listening and I know we've, we ask you guys, you know, download this, rate this, support this, um, kind of a personal request. Cause I told my nephew who, uh, it was his 13th birthday the other day. And, you know, th- the fact that this happened so close to his birthday to his dad is uh, really, really a terrible thing. He runs a gaming YouTube channel. I don't know if it's good or not, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, if you guys, I told him that I would tell people on the show about it because he found out I had a podcast. Um, The way you can subscribe to his channel, it's Fennec, that's F-E-N underscore N, the number three, and then C, Fennec. And uh, I think he's got two channels that are under that name. Um, if you guys could give him a subscribe and, you know, maybe write him something nice. I don't know. Um, really would re- appreciate that. All right. And that's it. That's my whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we will have, you know, some great guests too to be along this G1 j- journey. We have Danny here. We'll reach out to some other guests throughout the G1. I know uh, Sam said he wants to pop back in for probably a mid check-in. So, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll keep Yeah, if you guys along. are out there listening and you guys are contributors or content creators and you'd like to come be on the show, this is the opportune time to come in and be a support. We really would appreciate it. And one other thing that we got to talk about, like we mentioned last week, our 200th episode is coming up next week. We just got done uh, recording an interview of Rocky Romero that you guys will hear next week on the 200th episode And we also want you guys to be a part of it, guys. So send in your favorite memories and thoughts of the show in a short audio clip. It doesn't have to be professional audio. Literally pull out your cell phone, get the voice app, whatever voice memo app you have, and just record. It's a quick shout-out, favorite memory of the show. Just 
a shout out to the show and I'm gonna put it all together and edit it all together for the 200th episode. So you can send me your audio, Jeremy at socialsuplex.com. Uh, send it to me by uh, September 25th, so I can get it all edit together in time. And it's gonna be a great time celebrating 200 episodes. Yeah, it's gonna suck if we've had this many listeners and contributors over the years and and all that, and then we don't have good audio. So do us a favor. Just do, leave us a 30-second clip. I've noticed Danny hasn't done it, so I'm putting him on blast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because my clip would be like two hours long. I can't pick one moment, guys. Come on. But you, you guys just, um, you know, like you said, literally, it's as simple as like jump on your voice recorder, give us a 20, 30-second, you know, one-minute recording, just, uh, and then we're going to chop them all together and play it as part of the show. And it, you don't have to be you, – you can literally just be a listener – if you've listened to the show and you appreciate the show, just give us a shout out and we will include you, which we want to. So nice. And then next order of business, you know, anytime we have a first time guest on the show, we have to do a little, you know, New Japan background on them. So Danny, when did you start watching New Japan Pro Wrestling? Ooh. Uh, I'm old. So I started watching early nineties, probably. And uh, I remember seeing Liger in the magazines and then in WCW. And I just kind of kept following it, um, you know, getting tapes when I could. Uh, Super Jacob 94 was like amazing to me. That, that was like the first tape I think I got that was like complete, like a whole show. And it was, you know, I understood everything that's happening. Um, but I'm like a super lapsed fan because, I mean, I was such a fan, that, you know, to the point where I trained with Dean Malenko in like 97, 98. And then a couple of years later, I wasn't training. I wasn't even watching wrestling. I just kind of left it completely. And then I picked it back up again around uh, Wrestle Kingdom 9, like 2015. I think they were on Axis at that point, like uh, Tanahashi, uh, Okada era, that, 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 you know, the height of their rivalry. And uh, I actually, I remember I saw Wrestle Kingdom 9. I forget how I saw it, but uh, Sakuraba was also on that show. Right, and yeah. Suzuki, yeah. And I was a big Sakuraba fan from Pride. Um, so then I just kind of started following it a little bit, you know, little by little, more and more and more. And so the present day. Nice. Do you have a uh, favorite wrestler? I know that's probably hard watching for so long. Is there, is there one that kind of stands out to you or maybe a favorite wrestler in each kind of time period? Yeah, well, I was all about Liger. You know, Liger is the one that really motivated me to, like, give it a go. Um you know, like I, I always say, there's Liger and there's everybody else. Uh, but modern, probably Okada. I mean, definitely Okada. You know, like those are the two guys that like really uh, were key in my fandom. And But I love that whole early 90s era, you know, like like I love El Samurai and no one ever talks about yeah. El Samurai, but he was awesome, you know. Uh, we, we talk about El oh, Samurai. Oh, I know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like Samurai, Kanemoto, that whole, like, I think of it like like the Token Ratsuden era, you know, because like, we were playing those video games and yeah, it was just a great time. I really enjoyed that stuff. So, yeah, um, I love the juniors of that era. And also now it'd be Okada, Love Ishii, obviously. I mean, there's so many high-level workers at this point. Um, but yeah, that, that, that would be, I'd say Liger and Okada, if I had to distill it down to a guy from each generation. Nice. And then probably an even harder question. What is your favorite all time New Japan match? Yeah, it's super hard. <laughs> I, I'm going to give you a, a really corny answer because I'm sure it's like, you know, a match that a lot of people, uh, is a favorite Okada Omega one. Um, mm. I know that, you know, you can, those are like kind of interchangeable, right? Two 
Some people like two more, some people like four more. Um, I kind of like one the most just because it was like the first to set that. It's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like, it was the first 45 minute match that I saw that was just like, it was over in a blink, you know? You're like, I wanted more, you know? Like, they could have gone longer, but everything was, you know, it had a little bit of everything. It was perfectly paced. It had the crazy spots, but also they sold it for like minutes at a time. It was, you know, it was just a great match. And I think it, you know, it, it really stands up and it will continue to stand up. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's a hard, that's, that's a hard thing to say. Like that's my absolute favorite, but I think so. I mean, I also like a lot of Okada matches, you know, I like right. Okada versus Osprey from G129, Okada versus Ishii from G126. Um, that, that match is awesome. Um, uh, but, and like I said, I love that early nineties, that, that junior era, uh, Liger versus Sasuke from Super J Cup 94 semifinals is like always stands out. It always looms large in my memory because it was uh, like once you know the backstory, Liger puts this tournament together. You know, like you would think, well, he's the booker. Why wouldn't he put himself over? But he didn't, you know, he eliminated himself in the semifinals to put Sasuke over. Like that shows like how unselfish he always was. And, and it's a great match too. And like, the ending is like, I love the ending. The ending is like, uh, you know, when Sasuke slips off the rope. And Liger kind of gives him a little clap and like a yeah. whoop-de-doo, good job. Like it's like just perfectly covered. Sasuke pops up, gives him the Rana, done in like 20 minutes. So it's, it's a great little match. Nice. Also, I'm glad too that you mentioned Omega Okada 1 because I do feel like that one does kind of get overlooked for the, the last one of Dominion, two out of three falls. And also, yeah, the, couldn't have that without the first one. So that's, that's a good shout right I, there. I'm, I'm a big – like for me, I'm the biggest uh, – if you ask me what I think the best of the series is, I do think it's the finale, but I don't think that any of the, I don't think the second or third match compare to the first match. And I don't care. You know, we got, you got your dominion truthers out there, the one hour draw, but they're fucking <laughs> wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about that first, that wrestle kingdom match, the best stage. It's got the best, it's the, it's got the craziest bumps. It's the best match. They, they had until the fourth match, in my opinion. I love that match. Yeah, I, I see the arguments for all those matches, really, because they all build on one another, right? So right. right. Of, you know, it has that complexity. Each one has a little bit more complexity in the callbacks that the previous one didn't. But, yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I think the first one is just incredible. And as a standalone thing, just I, it, it's it's one match that I think, even if you've never watched wrestling, you, you would get into it. Like, because it's not, you know, so absurd. And yeah, it might be pretty long, <laughs> but uh, it's 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 just very easy to read, you know, even for a casual fan. Right. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, transition now. Let's talk about G One Climax Thirty One. So we had the first two nights this past weekend in Osaka in the Edeon Arena. So we'll start off September eighteenth. We had the the A Block kicking off. We had an attendance of one thousand nine sixty three. Uh, pretty decent crowd here for, you know, the limited capacity and the, the crap cloud era. And Osaka's always been one of the, the better arenas during the clap crowd era. So this uh, show opened up with show uh, in a, uh, you know, kind of a prelim match before we got to the block matches. Show defeated uh, Oiwa six minutes and eight seconds. So, you know, here we're, we're seeing show, uh, you know, get used to the new gimmick. You know, being a part of the House of Torture, kind of working some stuff out, uh, trying to get over that that new submission, the snake bite, he's calling it. Um, uh, what, Danny, what do you think about uh, show here? 
I think he's getting comfortable. I think he still has a little bit to go, right? Like uh, Imp said last week, he's got the face thing going on. He's got <laughs> crazy eyes, right? He's, he's crazy eyes killer. Um, but I mean, overall, I mean, think this is a good use for show, right? Not necessarily House of Torture. I mean, because, you know, that's the one faction named by the fans, I think. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, like I could do without that part. But as far as him being a heel, if I had to choose between him as a heel or a face, I think this is probably more natural. It's hard to say, right? Um, but I think so. Like, I think that he'll grow into it. Um, so, I mean, I, I thought, you know, this match was what it was. It was a squash, right? An extended squash. It, was, yeah. it wasn't that long. Um, Which but, submission is the snake bite? It's a go-go plata. Okay. Did he use that in the match with Yo? I don't recall. I don't remember that. I don't think he did. Okay. So, there's something new that he's doing, and he, he's doing a go-go plata, basically. Is he altering it in any way or it's just a straight up go-go i i think it's a go-go i, I really didn't examine it too closely but I, I nothing looked amiss you know not like I when was, i saw the money clip and i was like well, what is that <laughs> okay gotcha yeah i wasn't sure if it was like uh when undertaker did the hell's gates and he kind of modified it a bit what was his modification on that i i don't think he really he didn't God. throw the leg over the head, right? Like no, he just threw it over the back, and then he would pull down on the head, basically. Yeah, I think his is tighter than that. Show. Yeah, show does definitely look looks better than the Hell's Gate. So yeah, so show. That, that's an interesting move. I mean, um, is he putting himself in a pinning predicament when he's in it? Because I mean, that's been the one kind of knock on it. Is usually you're going on your back, going to your shoulders, basically. Well, I feel like Oiwa flattened out more. Um, and, so mm. sh- and so show was a little bit angled and I don't think it's back was completely, I think he's, he's kind of arched. So but yeah, it'll show. be interesting to see like how they work that when guys are trying to fight out of it in the future, right? Whether they count as a pin or not, or even just like at, with them struggling, if that puts him in a precarious position, you know, how long can he actually hold it without the referee noticing, you know, that was the problem when, when Brock Lesnar used to put people in the, uh, the Kimura, he was always pinning himself. Right. And they never and they never counted it. But yeah, I thought Joe looked good here. Like I said, he's, he's trying some stuff. He's trying this, you know, the go-go plata. He's doing the whole thing where he slaps his opponents to the count with the referee when they're on the outside and also just trying to work up the, the aggressive here. Uh, we have a question here from Reddit user, I believe it's Chalk Talak. Is the show going to be wrestling in the pre-show every day? And no, he's not. Um, it's just throughout the tour, he'll have some pre-show matches. And also ask, do you guys see House of Torture splitting from Bullet Club over World Tag League? They want this. They want this breakup quick, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Get this stink off me. Get these guys away from Bullet Club. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's possible. I mean, there has been also you haven't really seen the House of Torture interact with the other Bullet Club guys. They are mentioning it in the ring announcement, saying you know these guys are a part of. House of Torture. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think there might be. I don't know if it's going to happen over World Tag League. Maybe it's in the, in the build to the dome. But I do. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of split here. Yeah, I, my whole thing is I don't know how quickly they're going to do that. Um, probably some of it's going to be dependent on external circumstances with the pandemic and travel provisions and everything. Because you, you got to imagine that. You know, the, the whole aim and goal is to eventually do evil and Jay White at some point, I would assume. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing is like, when is that even feasible, you know? Right. 
Well, uh, let's move on to the next matchup here. So this was the first uh, block matchup of the night for the A block. We had, speaking of House of Torture, one of their members, Yujiro Takahashi. We got the return of Peter uh, accompanying Yujiro down to the ring, uh, you know, just making a, for a great atmosphere for this matchup. <laughs> and Was she there? I, I, I didn't even notice her. <laughs> I, I don't notice these things. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Well, this man is pure, Danny, <laughs> pure of heart. That's me. But uh, you know, we had our our first big upset here. Yujiro Takahashi defeats Kota Abushi, eleven minutes thirty one seconds with the big juice that elevated uh, DDT. You know, execution type maneuver lays out Kota Abushi, gets two points up on the board. This was a you know a very winnable match for Abushi. Kind of two points down a drain here for him. You know, Danny, what do you think about this? Obviously, shock finish elevates it a little bit. Uh, Yujiro didn't look bad during the match, but he also, you know, he wasn't doing anything special, but he was solid. You know, he was, he's, uh, he can be solid. Like, we've seen that, right? Like, his, he's not what he was once, but he's still a good hand. And I thought the match was fine up until the ending, and then that took it up a little, a bit, you know. Quarter star, half star, whatever, you, whatever you, whatever you want. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was the right thing to do too, in terms of, like, we already have the Yano spoiler, who's like, he can beat anyone at any time. Yujiro, you know, he has to serve some kind of purpose there, right? He can't just be cannon fodder. He can't be the bushwhacker who gets into Royal Rumble and you know just walks the <laughs> ring and gets tossed, right? It, like we, like, there's no point in having guys like that, like to a true filler. So at least this plants a seed that. He can, you know, pull an upset. Was it, you know, it was pretty clean too. He, he did the low blow, but that's not like egregious. He didn't, you know, go full evil or anything on it. Um, so yeah, I, th- I thought it was the right thing to do, you know, and, and it probably bodes well for Ibushi, right? Because when you start off cold, there's a tendency, it's a tendency to get hot. Stretch, right? And, and the opposite is true too, right? If you right. start out real hot, you're going to fall off and you're going to end up at 50-50. So I, I thought that boded well for Ibushi's uh, chances. And me and Jeremy were talking the other day and I, I was unspoiled, but he'd already seen this match. And I was like, you know, Ujiro might beat Ibushi. And I was like, I know it's crazy, but I was like, Ibushi, you know, was coming off of three finals two two g1 wins back to back to back and i was like they kind of need something like a, a little bit of a story like what if he goes cold for the first few nights and like jeremy kind of like looked at me and <laughs> <laughs> uh, they didn't, didn't want to spoil you i was like damn he, he's right <laughs> uh, but yeah but but, but, I, but I mean you know this is really um progression for Ujiro's character if you think about it last year he was that cannon fodder that you talked about danny i mean the, the guy only picked up two points, and I, I don't even – who did he beat? Jeff Cobb, I think? Yeah, Jeff Cobb last right. night. Yeah, and Jeff Cobb wasn't Jeff Cobb that we know today, so <laughs> it wasn't quite the same thing. Um, and, you know, you also think about Ibushi, and it's like he's coming off of injury and then the big loss to Tanahashi in, you know, in a match that he only wrestled for 17 minutes, which also maybe speaks to his health. So maybe it's a, a little bit of uh, art imitating life, you know? But, uh, I mean, that's a shocking win, like huge. I mean, that's got to be one of the like most surprising like uh, upsets in G1 in the past like four or five years. Yeah, huge upset. You know, the Osaka crowd, they let out an audible gasp, even though they're not supposed to. And I think it's shocking everybody. You know, you're, you're watching the match, you're like, all right, this is fine. You're waiting for Ibushi to just hit the Kamagoya and get it over with. 
and, and <laughs> you know, and then the, the low blow comes, and he hits the uh, the pimp juice, and Bushi kicks out. You're like, all right, he kicked out. He's gonna come back. He's gonna hit a V trigger, hit a Kamagoye, and then Yudro picks him up, hits the big juice, and pins him. <laughs> this is, this is a new move for him too, right? Yeah. Because I don't recall him ever, uh, you know, stealing John Moxley's finisher before. <laughs> oh, you mean Gangrel's finisher? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah Impaler DDT. <laughs> yeah, no, my man broke out a super finisher. You know, like, right. He, he's like, this is my burning hammer. And hold this burning hammer. And that was it. Yeah, one, two, three. Yudro picks up uh, two valuable points here. We had a question from Reddit user Boots and Burns. Is huge, huge about to go undefeated in the G1 and become double IWGP World Heavyweight Champion at Wrestle Kingdom now that he has the big juice? Obviously, <laughs> I don't even know why that's a, like that's so obvious. So let's move on. <laughs> so we're, we're strapping the rocket to the huge, huge, huge. Got to get this blue chip over. Blue yeah. chip over. The blue Gotta, chipper. This hot young prospect, Yujiro. Uh, yeah. So, you know, obviously that was the first big upset. A lot of a lot of uh, pickums uh, going up in smoke uh, on on that match. So we move on to the next matchup. Hottest, here. hottest new prospects: Bond Breaker and Yujiro Tagahashi. <laughs> Yujiro should uh, win Rookie of the Year in the Observer Awards. <laughs> uh, so the next matchup. We have, uh, speaking of the Observer, Dave Meltzer's favorite wrestler, the great O'Conn. He defeated Tangaloa, who was with Jado, 17 minutes and 45 seconds. He sure did. Um, <laughs> it was, was, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty mid, I thought. I mean, I thought O'Conn did, did good work, right, in terms of, you know, it's heel versus heel, but he picked up the slack and was more of the face because obviously Jado's there with Tangaloa, so they're not going to be the faces. So Okan was playing to the crowd a little bit here and there. Um, but overall, I mean, this was nothing special. I mean, Loa wasn't, I don't really have high expectations for him here, but um, he, he didn't like crap the bed or anything. It was just kind of there. I mean, I, I, I can't remember a single, you know, notable spot or anything like that. Oh, Lowa came out with the face paint. That was no. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I, I misspoke. I tell a lie. He had the face paint on. Yeah, big, big match, Loa. Is, uh, <laughs> there you go. Is Okan wearing the big match gear for every night, or is he, you know, mixing it up with the trunk sometimes? He no, wore yeah, the, the pants. Sabu pants on. <laughs> <laughs> Sabu pants. So, I mean, um, you know, this, these are two guys. It's their very first time ever in the G1 for both of them. Um, I mean, I think some people have been critical of both of their work in the past, you know, other times we've praised it. I mean, what were your guys feeling as far as like a first time G1 matchup for both of them? Well, like Danny said, you know, it, it was a, a fine matchup. I mean, I, th- I thought it was good for what it was. Obviously, it was the third, you know, third matchup of the night. I think both these guys are going to be guys to keep your eyes on as guys who are going to kind of have sneaky good tournaments. We've been high on Ocon and Tangaloa in the past year. Um, but, you know, also it is weird to have that heel versus heel dynamic and you have to mix in, you know, Jado getting involved and then, you know, Tangaloa does kind of do the, the Roman Reigns. I'm going to give a little speech sometimes in the middle of the match and call him the great who. You're the great who. <laughs> uh, but I thought they had a lot, a lot of fire towards the end. There's a lot of cool power moves between both guys. Um, yeah, Ocon gets a win with the uh, the Eliminator. 
that was kind of sudden, right? The the finish, if memory serves, the eliminator. I thought it kind of came out of not nowhere, but it wasn't does, like a extended finish. Does anybody else hate that finisher as much as me? <laughs> um, it does strain believability. I don't hate it. Hate it like visually it looks okay, but the idea that you get a claw, dude, <laughs> and then lift him with the face like it sounds like you would just do damage on the way up if you were strong enough to just pull him up by his face right? what, like like jason Voorhees, basically yeah that, that yeah it does strain believability a little bit but uh visually i've definitely you know certainly seen worse like that, when, I, that's not an endorsement when lance archer used to do it i was like okay i'm all about this movie you know it makes sense it's a big guy but like when it's Ocon, i'm like i don't know man Right. No, that, that makes sense. So Archer's hands are huge, right? They're like huge. This guy is Okan is he's around the same size as Loa, right? Like height wise. Right. I mean, and, and Loa yeah. is Jack too. So yeah, it definitely kind of makes it hard to believe that yeah, he's just like grabbing Loa and just like slam him like that. Listen, bro, I've stood next to Tingaloo. I'm bigger than him, and I'm not that big. <laughs> so I'm Damn, telling so you, you're like six seven. No, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Okan. I don't know. That's that's some big man territory. I don't. I don't. I think he should just like, I don't know, do something that like relies on his freaking background. Maybe, you know. Totally. Yeah. No. That I had that same thought that he should do something that's a little bit more amateur based, more like throw suplex based, something like that. Um, I could do it like he do like a Tazplex or something. <laughs> Yeah, she does this just drop people on their heads. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Be, be a Steiner brother. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought this is, you know, nothing that's going to blow away. I thought it was fine. You know, it's I think these guys are going to have better matches, and it, it was a fine start for these guys here. Uh, so we move nice. on to the next matchup here. We have Toro Yano defeating Kenta. 11 minutes and 7 seconds, and, you know, people's opinions on this match, is, is, it's going to differ on whether you like the Yano com- comedy or not. Danny, I saw you, you put it, put in your hand on <laughs> 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 your head. <laughs> I saw people, I saw people, like, praising the beginning of this match. I, I don't know exactly what happened, but, you know, I'm assuming shenanigans were afoot. Oh, were they? Um, <laughs> yes. I, I, I'll preface this by saying I, I love me some Yano. You know, I, I think Yano's hilarious, right? But in small doses. And I and this was 11 minutes of just, like you said, shenanigans. Or as my niece would say, shenanigans. Just <laughs> the whole 11, it was just all tape-based, like this roll of tape. And he was just, they just kept going back to that. And he was just so much of it. I, I really don't even, I can't even rate it, like, as a match. Because it was, like, barely a match to me. It was right. Like, okay, they, they, this is, like, comedy segment, you know? <laughs> I don't know, Danny. The official record books say 11 minutes and 7 seconds. Of <laughs> oh, man. And you feel action. every one of those 11 minutes. Feel, <laughs> I, I did. I was like, oh, man. Hey, I'll tell you this. If I if I wasn't coming on the podcast this week, I would have skipped this. Or I would have fast-forwarded it or played it at double speed something. But instead, I sat there. I did my due diligence. <laughs> I did my homework. And I watched every minute of this. I took notes. <laughs> um, and I hate myself for it. In a strong style. Punishing Danny. <laughs> But yeah, it was, and, and the and the finish too was kind of sloppy, and that that was supposed to be an inside cradle, but it was just like, let's fall together, let's tumble like lovers, and then yeah, it was just not great. Was, yeah, yeah was... <laughs> this was straight up comedy from the get go. You know, the referees checking both guys. Yano has you know tape hidden. Kenta has tape hidden. Um, like you mentioned, Dane, the story of the match was a tape, and so it's always all based off of last year's G One match and. 
Um, they repeat the spot where Kenta, you know, gets Jano up on the stage and ties him um, to to the um, the gimmick there, the, the scaffolding thing, and then Yano has to run back in. He gets back in, and uh, yeah, then you mentioned he gets you know Kenta taped back up and gets him. He was supposed to kind of cradle him up, but they just kind of like fell on each other, and yeah, <laughs> Yano outsmarted Kenta, uh, got the pin, and. You know, again, you know, we're talking about Ibushi throwing away two easy points. Uh, I think that was, you know, some easy points there for Kenta as well. Uh, so starting off uh, cold, just like Ibushi here. But, yeah, this is straight up uh, 11 minutes of a comedy match. You know, I went two stars flat on it. Um, it, it, it there was I did laugh at some points, but overall, like, it, it wasn't really much of a match. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it's, to me, it was the same note over and over, like, I got it. The tape. It's funny because that's what he does. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway. But then uh, business really picked up here with the semi-main event of the evening. We had the submission master, Zack Sabre Jr., defeating Tetsuya Naito 27 minutes and 5 seconds. And I'll see what we'll talk about the news about Naito here in a second. But uh, let's talk about this matchup. Yeah, you said it. Business definitely picked up. This was uh, I, I and I haven't been as high on Naito versus Saber as other people. Like I've enjoyed their matches, but I haven't liked them as much as other people have. I thought this was the best of the series. Like uh, for my money, I, I I enjoyed it the most. I thought you know Zach looked great. Like physically, he looks great. Like he, this is the best shape he's ever been in. Which uh, you know I'm not a body guy or whatever, and. I, not to body shame anybody, but I think it's important that like at this level, he have that physical credibility um, and he has it now and he has it and he's putting it to good use too. Cause he's doing suplexes out there. He's changing it up. He's, he's doing some different offense. I thought he, uh, I thought he really shined here. Like he just, he carried this match in, in, in certain ways. Um, Naito's, you know, mobility is he, you know, he can go in short bursts now, you know, he, I mean, he can still go period, but uh, it's, um, He's obviously not what he once was physically. Then I feel like ZSJ really made up for for anything that might have been lacking with Naito, especially knowing now that he hurt his knee for real in the match. I try, I rewatched the match. I tried to find where that might have happened. I, I couldn't see an exact moment. Um, well, well yeah. this man's been like, you know, walking around for years now with like literally layers and layers of tape and athletic, you know, padding. I mean, one one wrong miss misstep like in the wrong direction was enough to like do his knees in at this point like he could have literally just like done a forward roll and like oh god my knee <laughs> yeah. yeah that that might that certainly could have been the case but i thought they had a lot of great spots good like good action i didn't there were no lulls really um they just kept moving even with the submission based um but yeah i, I thought it was a really really good match uh there's a lot of moments that i really liked uh powerbomb off the top by zach the ddt out of the shin breaker by naito um it's what oh the counter uh into the what is it the valencia the the zach uh, driver counter yeah mm. into the valencia uh yeah it's just a really really good match and I, I like i said i thought it was the best in the series yeah i really enjoyed this matchup it was one of my favorites of the weekend i went, I went four and a quarter on it like you mentioned day there's a lot of great all these guys have wrestled each other so much times now there's a lot of great counters out of their big moves um Great near fall with Saber doing the European clutch, which he normally wins. I thought he he was going to win there, uh, but Naito uh, kicked out there. Like you mentioned, he's working over the knees um, 
the whole match, you know, also do the match. I'm thinking, you know, Naito selling. Like you guys mentioned, his needs has been taped up for years. You know, the recommended match uh, that Chris picked last <laughs> week mm-hmm. was from, you know, G1, um, the finals against Tanahashi, and his knees were type- taped up back then. Um, so I didn't think of anything of it. And then also we got this uh, this news here of, of Naito being actually injured. Uh, but, yeah, that was the focus of, of Sabre, and he got him in his, uh, you know, new submission, the yes, I am a long way from home. Uh, had him uh, <laughs> tied up there and uh, focused on the knee. And Naito, he was in the middle of the ring, couldn't move, uh, tapped out. So Sabre gets, you know, the big submission victory here. Uh, they teased the 30-minute time limit draw. Uh, they went 27 minutes, you know, getting down only three minutes left. Um, and, you know, people, you know, they're wondering, could Naito hold on for three minutes? But he couldn't, and legit, I don't think he could have <laughs> with, the, with the pressure that was probably on his knee. Yeah, this is another one that when we were kind of when I was doing my predictions predictions with Jeremy, I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I mean, Naito was the champion last year. He got the better of this guy in the tournament. I was like, they're probably gonna probably gonna go with Zach here, you know. Um, but these guys always blow it away every single time they're together. In fact, I I might even be as bold to say I think that Zach Saber Jr. might be my favorite regular Naito opponent. Um, and because I mean they just never miss really. So um, looking forward to actually going back. Maybe maybe since we're doing the review now, I can kind of cherry pick some of this stuff. I don't have to watch the uh, the Yano match. <laughs> 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 but uh, definitely looking forward to this one. But yeah, it is unfortunate, you know, the outcome, you know, post match. Yeah, and real quick before that, there was a question I forgot to grab from the Discord from EMJ does PR. He says Zack Saber Jr. now has big muscles, which we know always leads to titles. So Zack Sabre Jr. and singles title in the near future. Please discuss. He's not wrong. Um, I, I I don't think that's a reason they would choose to push uh, Zach. Um, but certainly they, they, he's the kind of guy they can pull the trigger on anytime, right? They they he's credible enough that they could put him into the main event program at any point if they want to take him out of tags, and he would be totally fine. Uh, you know, certainly his performances would be up to, up to stuff, but he also it wouldn't be weird in the eyes of the fans either, I don't think. Uh, I, like I said, I'm glad that he looks better. He looks physically stronger. Just, again, it just gives him a little bit more credibility so that when he's moving guys around, it looks right. It, it makes sense. Right. Um, you know, as far as, you know, a push for a singles title, I mean, uh, he still is one half of the tag champs with Tai Chi as Dangerous Tekker, so he's kind of in the tag mix for, for right now, and he'll probably will be going into Dome season. But I do think, you know, next year for the 50th year, you want to push some new guys, do some new title matches. I do think once they drop the belts, uh, Sabre is a guy that would be interesting to get in a singles mix. You do have the U.S. title back. You, you could have him, you know, him and Tanahashi have a, a history. You could have Sabre get the belt from Tanahashi at some point. He could be the U.S. champ. Somebody that can fly over here to the U.S. as well. Um, so there's a lot, a lot of possibilities that you could do with Sabre. I would love to see him challenge for the world title. Um, he, I think he would be a great opponent for Shingo. And if you know Osprey ends up becoming undisputed champion, we all know him and Osprey have amazing matches together. And remember, pre-pandemic, they were gearing up for a singles title challenge between himself and uh, John Moxley. And I think right. you know the Dangerous Seconds were still kind of going hot and heavy at that time. You know, so. It wasn't like it was one or the other. He was still kind of able to cohabitate both the singles and a tag team role. But, you know, the thing with Zach was 
when he won that um, New Japan Cup a couple of years ago and he ran through, you know, all those top guys, they really established him as this credible force in the company. And he's, he hasn't really ever kind of gotten back to that form. And what, what year is that? 2018, 2019? Yeah, 20, 2018. Yeah, so we're talking like four years going on. I wouldn't be you know, opposed to him really getting a strong push, especially with Naito being out of the tournament, him being so favored. And, you know, the fact that he's the guy that put him on the shelf, maybe you could, uh, you know, kind of take this opportunity. And I'm not saying he needs to win the block or anything, but, you know, maybe you could really push him because he seems to go pretty middle of the road in these G1s for some reason. Yeah. And you know, with the news that we're going to talk about of Naito, I mean, this could, this could be an opportunity for uh, Zack Sabre Jr. to win the block. Uh, so we, we got the news this early this morning uh, from NJPW1972.com. It says, during his G1, a G1 Climax 31 opening match on September 18th in Osaka, Tetsuya Naito suffered an injury to his left knee. Damage was incurred to his left meniscus and MCL. Naito is unable to compete on the remainder of the G1 Climax Tour and does not currently have a timetable for return. All remaining tournament matches will be counted as losses via forfeit with opponents gaining an automatic two points. Naito's remaining opponents will instead be competing in special singles matches with card changes outlined below. We apologize to fans who are looking forward to seeing Naito wrestle. We appreciate your understanding and support and wish Naito the best in his recovery. So some some tough news here for the LIJ fans. Tough news for people who picked Naito to win the block or the tournament in our our pick'em contest. And just some tough news for Naito and his career uh, going forward. Um, and we had lots of questions here uh, on the Naito knee injury. Uh, so first, from our user Chalk Chalk to Lock, how do you see Naito's knee injury kayfabe affecting him moving forward? Well, I think he asked that right before he was actually legit hurt, right? So he, he like assuming that it would have been part of the story, the damage that Zach had done, you know, he would have that would have played out throughout the tournament. Right now, that's doesn't really apply anymore. Yeah, I mean that was a crazy thing. Like the commentary, like after the match, was like, yeah, you know, Zach really zoned on his knees. This could be the <laughs> this could be the end of Naito's tournament, and it was. Well. <laughs> You know, they're, they're, they're always just going off of what, what's given to them. They don't know, you know, what's what's work, what's not. They just call it all like a shoot. So, you know, it's pretty appropriate. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, just kind of, kind of crazy news to, to wake up to this morning. Yeah, very unfortunate. Um, next question from Viking Pain. He asked, it turns out Naito's knee injury was legit after all. And he will be missing the remainder of the G1. Do you guys have any idea how it happened? How big of an injury is it? Is it a sprain, a dislocation, a tear? How long will he be gone? Yeah, uh, like I said, I tried to go back and look at it. He looked like he was pretty okay the whole time until that double stop. I don't want to blame Zach for it if he didn't do it. Uh, but it might have just been a, been a misstep, uh, literally. Uh, after that double stop, when he goes to do the satellite DDT uh, little while later, you can see that he kind of stumbles a little bit. His leg uh, doesn't look like it's completely under him. I don't know if that was him selling or if that was it happening. He, he's such a good seller that you literally cannot tell. Um, but, yeah, I, I think uh, uh, it's a shame that he's he's going to be out for the whole G1. And the fact that they said that they don't know that it's an uh, undetermined amount of time, that's uh, that's a little concerning, right? 
Yeah, and like you said, Danny, like, you know, watching the match, I, I thought Naito was just selling. I mean, we, we've seen him. There was a match earlier this year where somebody like rolled into his leg, and it, that looked pretty bad. And he ended up being fine. So I'm like, well, the story of the match is Zach is working over his leg. And yeah, that, that double stomp to the knee was pretty nasty. But again, I thought he was selling. He locks him up. He's, he's working some mission holes on it. You know, he has him tied up there at the end. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, Naito's selling. This is going to be the story of his G1. He's going to have to struggle through the, these knee, knee injuries until he can get to the, hopefully get to the finals. Um, and, and that's a pretty good story, provided it's just a story. Right. <laughs> he shows up, yeah. There was uh, a, a one, oh, sorry, go ahead, Josh. No, you go. I was just going to ask the next question, so go ahead. Oh, no, there was one other moment where I thought maybe I had contributed to the injury because I know that for a shoot, like, it's very hard to take even when you're ready for it, like the scissor takedown even when that's something that you're just drilling and you can, your knee goes sideways pretty easy on that. I thought maybe that was it. That's, that's the kind of move that I like wouldn't even practice on people at a certain point. Like, I just think it's so risky to do that. It's not worth doing. And uh, Zach, Zach did it well, but I thought that maybe that was when his knee turned a little bit sideways. Hmm. Um, Naito was a heavy favorite by a lot of people to get to the finals. Now with his injury, do you think uh, someone, well, who do you think is coming out of the finals of the A block? Me personally, I think Shingo Takagi becomes the first champion to get to the finals now. I will have you know, this is incorrect. We've actually had two champions win the G1 in the past, not just become finalists, but uh, Kijimuto as well as, um, who was Power Warrior? Kensuke Sasaki. Kensuke Sasaki. Um, I actually don't know how many other champions have ever made it to the finals. Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure about that, but I know that there have been in the past. But who do you guys uh, think is going to take A block now? Yeah, that's hard. And, you know, obviously, you know, as Chris and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, it, it could be kind of cool if you do the whole, you know, Shingo gets to the finals, kind of prove he's a real world champion and maybe even win the G1. But the hard thing is with Shingo winning the block, then he's facing somebody from the B block, and let's say he loses, then that's going to be a title match at the Dome. And we know typically they don't do matches that they're going to do at the Dome. I know it's very different in this pandemic era, and they have done that, especially with the double uh, Dome dash. And I know we're going to have you know three Wrestle Kingdoms this year, but I, don't, I think it would be a smart move to do one of your Dome main events as the, the finals main event again. And let's say it's like Shingo Okada. I don't think that they should do that. They should save that if that's going to be the actual one of the dome matches. Um, so, I mean, I, I think Sabre could be uh, an interesting option to, to come out of the A block, especially if the winner is coming out of the B block. You, you could Sabre can be in the finals and lose. That's no big deal. Uh, I think the other favorite would probably be Kota Ibushi, um, a guy that's been in the finals multiple times now, uh, multiple-time winner. He's starting off cold, like you mentioned, Danny, but he could finish hot and that he could end up being a guy going into finals again. I think there's a little stone pit bull that you guys might be discounting right now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could see that winning the block, at least winning the block for sure. Uh, probably not the whole thing. Yeah, no, I think there's. You can win the whole thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think in A block, it's easier to say just who's definitely not winning, right? Otherwise, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know, like, like before Naito was injured, I would have said Sabre's probably not in the running for that. But now I could totally see that. They're like, yeah, this is how these things happen, right? Somebody gets injured, somebody else takes their spot, this is their moment to shine, and they, you know, they make the most of it. Uh, so we like, we know, like, Great Okan, Kenta, Tangaloa, 
Uh, oh, huge! Oh, what are we saying? Huge is winning the whole thing. We big, already big established huge. that. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> huge, huge. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess I would be Ibushi, right? Just, like, I think that's the most logical. Takagi is not really an option to me because of the reasons you said, Jeremy. Um, but yeah, I can see Ibushi, Ishii winning the block, and uh, now Saber. Whereas before, I probably wouldn't have said that. They, they might go with Shingo just because they got three G one nights. All bets are out the window, so. Or yeah. I'm sorry, three uh, three Wrestle Kingdom nights. So it's really hard to say. Um, I think and uh, is that three Wrestle Kingdoms plus Dash? Have they um, so, revealed that or not yet? So, so what, we have heard the rumor that there will be a Dash. We wow. don't have that verified, but that's just kind of what we've heard. That's the scuttlebutt. Wow. So if if there's going to be a New Year's Dash, that that means a lot of big things are going to be happening on that that third show. Some people might be coming into the country. Uh, but if there's no New Year's Dash, then it, they might just have to work around some stuff. But yeah. Why do I feel like you guys are holding out? <laughs> no, 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 we're not. That's uh-huh. literally what literally what we just told you is what we heard. There mm-hmm. is talks that there might be a Dash in between the the real Wrestle Kingdom and the fake Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, last part of his question, he said, am I crazy to think that this knee injury will actually do some good for Naito in the long run? Yes, I know he's one of New Japan's biggest stars, and they need him. But Naito's body's really beaten up too, and he uh, could use the time off. I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> dude, maybe if it was like a torn bicep or or you know or something like that, or a torn don't, pec. Don't you feel like this man's had time off like in the very recent past, and like it didn't do him that much good? Yeah. Yeah, there's something to be said for inertia, right? Like that he keeps moving, he keeps working. You know, like I wonder what happens if he's forced to take a long time off, if he'll ever rebound again. He's not a young guy and he is, you know, like I said, pretty jacked up. Who remember, knows? All, remember all those people that were freaking out when they uh, decided to go with Okada over him? <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe the bookers knew a little bit something about the health of Tetsuya Naito because, I mean, this man's been broken down for a few years now. Uh, and I'm not saying that. I know it's funny, but, like, honestly, uh, I, I I don't ever think that someone having a serious knee injury is ever good for them in the long or the short run, like, at all. So hopefully he gets better. But, uh, yeah, it's not good news. Yeah, it's going to be tough. A lot of people, when they have knee injuries, don't come back 100% themselves. They maybe can't do a lot of things they, they did in the past. Dude, and if it's a tear, if you have to have surgery and then the rehab and – Sometimes the you know if you like like let's say if you have to have like a cadaver like ligament or something put in there it doesn't take I mean that it, it especially his age uh, no I don't think it's good honestly at all yeah. I mean it might do some good to the rest of his overall health but for his knees I mean that's not good yeah agreed agreed I always think back to like uh, as far as knee injuries go the one that stands out the most in my mind is Rey Mysterio. Right, mm. because Rey Mysterio pre injury, knee injury, and post knee injury are very different wrestlers. You know, like he, he, I mean, he's still great regardless. Doesn't matter. I'm not. Don't, don't at me, please. <laughs> Ray stands, relax. <laughs> okay, stand down. Um, but pre knee injury, he's a revelation, right? And right. Then after that, he's never quite the same. He's not doing the same exact things he used to do. He's smart. He's like Liger, right? In that he adjusted his offense and changed his style to compensate for his changing, you know, ability. But he is different, you know. And at this point, you know, what kind of transition would Naito have to make at this age? 
uh, to a slower style, like, you know, that would be strange. Didn't Naito, uh, Jeremy, if you recall, and maybe you remember Danny, in the, in the road to a new beginning, didn't he have something where it looked like his knee was like literally fucked and then he still ended up wrestling Ibushi and we didn't know how at the time? Right, like somebody had like rolled into his knee. I forgot who That's he was wrestling. Right. But I, I think it was Nagata. Yes, yeah, Nagata did one of his like the roll kick things to his. Nagata rolled into his knee, or someone did, and it looked so bad. And we were like speculating about like, yo, he's gonna be out for eight months, nine months, blah blah. blah. And then somehow he got cleared, and somehow he still wrestled. But I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm still wondering like if, you know, because now here we are, it's not that it's just further down in the year, and he's out with the knee injury. And I remember how horrific that looked. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think he just put another roll of tape. On his knee, and so let's do this. So the question is, can he get another roll under that knee pad? Um, next question from a Rambone Slam Pig. He asked us, uh, with news of Naito's injury surfacing, I will re-ask an old question. Did Gato wish on a cursed monkey paw? Because this is getting crazy. Feel feel free to incinerate my G1 bracket. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, yeah, a lot of people's G1 brackets are, are up in smoke now. I mean, I had Naito winning the A block, so... I don't see myself, you know, surviving in our contest uh, much longer. But, yeah, I don't think uh, Gato put a curse on him, but definitely uh, some bad luck here for Naito. Uh, last couple questions from Dom, homie 101. He said, any thoughts on the knee injury of Tetsuya Naito? Uh, I feel like we've covered that. But he asked, how do you think it will affect the rest of the G1 and beyond G1? Where does New Japan go from here? And I think the interesting question is, you know, how does this affect the booking of the G1 specifically? Right, especially if Naito was somebody that was booked to win, then definitely they're scrambling. And we, we've heard of... And, and even if and even if he wasn't, he was definitely going to get, what, 10 12. points? 12, probably. Right, and we've heard, like, for COVID, you know, they have, you know, backup plans in case somebody gets COVID. But, you know, also now they have to have a backup plan for injuries as well. Um, so maybe they're kind of already prepared in case somebody went down with COVID. But it's definitely going to be a lot of shifting around. I mean, where do they go from here? I mean, after G1 and after Super Juniors and Tag League, we, we have Road Tokyo Dome. We have three dome or I guess two domes and then Yokohama, you know, three big main events that you got to fill. And you got to imagine that Naito would be featured heavily on all three of those shows or a couple of those shows. Um, and so I don't know, you know, if they have, they're going to have a hard time filling that spot or where they go from there. I'm guessing right now that's probably their their biggest hope is that he gets healthy in time for dome season at least because that that's gonna you know affect their bottom line and you know I'm sure he wants to be on the big stage as well. Um, you know I'm almost kind of wondering though about like okay like let's say obviously we just had this situation right Naito big points getter he's gone they got to reshift everything this is not necessarily uncommon in the G1. Things like this have happened many times in the past, but with that threat of COVID kind of looming, I know a lot of the guys were, or everyone was vaccinated, but like, what if we get deep into this thing and then someone that, you know, like let's say Zack Sabre's going to win and then he has to drop out due to COVID and then it, it, it completely fucks up the uh, point stool. What do they do? I mean, this might feel like the first time that the G1 Outcomes could actually even be out of the hands of the booker in some cases. 
Right. I mean, at one point, it makes the tournament very unpredictable and a little bit more exciting to watch. Uh, you know, it's sad that it comes because of injury, but now it's like really like I feel like anybody could win in the A block for the most. There's a lot of people who can kind of come out here with the A block. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, as much as I don't like the briefcase deal, I think this is the situation where it benefits them to have it, right? Because they can always pivot to something else, throw somebody in there at the last minute, and it gives them that flexibility that right now they really need. Because I doubt they have a contingency for every for all twenty guys. You know, if this guy gets hurt, this is what we do. <laughs> I think you know. I think this is where you know Ghetto's metal gets tested. You know, how can he pivot to something else? to adjust it maybe to get to the same, you know, same finish that he was looking for, same outcome but with a different route or just create a different route altogether and say, we're going to go with somebody else for now. And if Naito's back and healthy, we'll do the briefcase thing and get him in there. If not, we'll do something else. You know, I think so this is why so you're saying together. that if Ujiro wins the G1 through <laughs> happenstance, then Tanahashi can wrestle him on the next show and win the briefcase is what you're saying. That's what I would be pulling for. I hope <laughs> pull the trigger on the briefcase. Uh, and we had an interesting, you know, stat from our friend Chris Samso who said uh, Shinsuke Nakamura was the last wrestler to forfeit a G1 Climax match on July 28th, 2015. Nakamura forfeited a match against Still made Elgin. It to the finals. Yeah, due to elbow injury and returned to the tournament after taking one match off and went on to win his block. So I know some fans are kind of speculating that this could be a, a work or that Naito could come back at the, the end of the tournament and somehow pull it off. But, I mean... That would be cool. I think they've got to sell tickets, though, right? I don't think they would want to advertise Naito as not being on cards. Who knows Who knows with this <laughs> company now? <laughs> yeah. Last part of his question. With Naito withdrawing from the G1 action, is it possible that New Japan could use this as a storyline to push ZSJ to a higher level? G1 finals appearance since he was Naito's last opponent? Question mark. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen uh, the meme of uh, I, I kicked uh, Naito's leg out of his leg going around the day, or <laughs> I, I, I broke Naito's leg uh, t-shirt, you know, going around Twitter today. And so, yeah, it could be a great thing to, to elevate Zach. Zach and Bragg, he's the one that put Naito out of the G1. And it, like we mentioned earlier, it, it opens the door for a guy like Zach to go to the finals, especially if the winner is not coming out of the A block. He's a great wrestler. He can have a great match with anybody that comes out the B block, and it could be a great opportunity for him. So it looks like um, moving forward, they're going to have a series of special singles matches for those who are getting the free two points due to his um, withdrawal from the tournament. Um, they've kind of given us a, a breakdown here. So September 23rd, uh, night three, we're going to have, um, it says Naito against Tangaloa. Well, that, that, that was the original match. Oh, okay. Okay. So the, okay. I'll just read off the changes here. So we're going to be getting Yuji Nagata against Tangaloa on night five. We'll be getting Yuji Nagata against Shingo Takagi. On night seven, we'll be getting Bushi versus Yujiro Takahashi. On night nine, Bushi versus Toriano. Night 11, Hiromu Takahashi against Kenta. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, and then night 13, Hiromu Takahashi against Tomohiro Ishii, a uh, rematch of their very famous New Japan Cup encounter. Yeah. And then uh, night 15, Satoshi Kojima against Kota Ibushi. Jeremy, I, that's got you written all over oh, it. Oh, yeah. Red Club, baby. And then uh, night 17, Satoshi Kojima versus Great Okan. So, um, you know, some pretty fitting uh, replacement matches there. 
yeah, I mean, a lot of these singles matches are, are pretty exciting and are, are some good additions here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how Bushi snuck in there, but yeah, otherwise you got Nakata, <laughs> Kojima, Hiromu. Bushi has a pinfall victory over ZSJ, I will remind you. Oh, that changes everything. <laughs> <All bad. laughs> uh, well, uh, now let's talk about the main event of the evening. Perhaps uh, already the the best match of the whole tournament. Maybe the, the year. Yeah, the Dragon Shingo Takagi defeats the Stone Pitbull Tomohiro Ishii. Twenty-seven minutes fifty-six seconds. Another tease of the thirty-minute draw. Danny, I know you took lots of notes, man. What, what do you think about this big main event? Checks notes. Yeah, it was it was great. <laughs> it was a, it was really really good match. Um, super hard hitting. I think this is exactly the kind of match that like first time G one viewers would they would just be blown away by it, right? Because it's so different. It's so completely different than other products. Um, if I had to. Criticize it at all, and I know you brought me on the show to do that, to play that role. So I'm going <laughs> to criticize it. I'm just going to say it went on. I thought it went on a little bit too long for what it was. Like, like they're beating just the absolute piss out of each other. I w- I would have liked to see it end a little bit earlier. Um, at a certain point, I felt like it was getting into diminishing returns. That it was just a little bit too repetitive. Um, the end was super super hard hitting. Those headbutts were bananas. Um, but I thought the last headbutt was a little bit hard to read. Like, uh, like I, like I didn't realize that only Ishii took the took the brunt of it. That Shingo was fine until he started hooking up the wrist. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, it's just a crazy match. I mean, it's like a few minutes in and people getting power slammed on the floor. It's just <laughs> like, what is this? Like, this is crazy. Um, yeah, they just just oh, the, it's some of the strongest. Every you see it all the time, right? In New Japan, lariats that like just knock people out of their boots. And even when you're used to it, some of these were like, oh, my God, just end it. You know, like that lariat is that's that's a finisher anywhere else. Yeah, I just love, you know, this was obviously a different pace from the whole rest of the night. You know, before the semi-main Sabre Naito was a more kind of technical, methodical, like Sabre breaking down the knee. Like you mentioned, Ishii and Shingo, we got we got a never title match here. These guys from the bell ringing. They were going at it with the shoulder blocks, like you mentioned, strong layers, strong chops. You know, Ishii doing the the chops to the throat, and um, great job on Kevin Kelly. You know, they were talking about Ishii when he was a young boy and in dojos, he would get chopped in the throat for not, you know, cleaning the toilet right or doing whatever duties right in the dojo. So, you know, he's he's returning the favor now, and so a, a lot of great back and forth there. Um, I love obviously that the spot where they're exchanging uh, back suplexes over and over, just taking turns. Uh, back suplexing each other and also the more they do it the slower they get up in between each one and we said all time Ishii is just an uh, incredible selling you know the, the bumbling that he was doing oh best stagger in the business yes like, like it's unbelievable he gets like his leg goes a little stanky it's just fantastic uh the one spot that I, I gasped at was when Ishii was going for the super uh brain buster and he dropped Shingo uh luckily Shingo landed on his back but that could have that could have ended Chingo's G one. That that was scary. I was like, <gasps> but uh, yeah, and and then they did the you know what any sane person would do and go right back to it. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah, did it again. But, but the good thing was it wasn't like you know the WWE thing where like they mess up a spot and then they immediately go back to it and try and do it. Like, they took oh, oh no 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 yeah yeah. She was like, I'm getting this. I'm getting this. You're taking this. Right. Yeah, and it looked very uh, deliberate. And the crowd was with it. The crowd was all about it when he connected. They you know they this was a pretty loud 
clap crowd, right? Like there were some moments here where, and that was one of them where they couldn't help. They couldn't help but gasp. Like, <gasps> you know, I think the first one that I really noticed was the, the Esperanza in the, in the Naito match. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, <gasps> and then the, and then the clutch in that same match. Um, but yeah. And then this brain buster too. It was, it was bananas. So, I mean, these two guys have had quite a few incredible matches. Um, you know, just two years ago, I think that they won the uh, fight of the year award for our year end award. So, I mean, you know, that just kind of tells you the level of violence. But this match seems to be especially high praised. I mean, are we talking best of their series? I mean, what do we, what do you guys think? Where were your ratings wise in this? Uh, personally, I, I went 4.75. I, I didn't go. Coward. The, I, I'm a coward. I didn't go the full five. I think as much as I, I like. You know the recovery of the slip of the brain buster. I think that was the one thing that stopped me from from going uh, the full five. But I mean, this was a violent. Um, it was a masterpiece. Uh, both guys sung incredibly, and I also love too that it wasn't the same kind of closing stretch that we get from Shingo, where he, he kind of hits an Oshigami, he hits a pumping bomber, and then he hits the last of the dragon. Like you mentioned, Danny, we had that headbutt exchange, and then. Um, Ishii just kind of like slipped Like kind of slipped and Shingo was able to catch him And then hit the last of the dragon real quick It was kind of a, a desperation last of the dragon And get, get to win Yeah it was a great match I mean I, like the I was picking at nits earlier right uh, I, I, I went four and a half um, And that that's probably low for a lot of people But like I said at a certain point I kind of wish I had ended a little bit earlier Just because the level of violence Was so high <laughs> that I was like this would make more sense to be done by now. Like they, they can't keep getting up like this. Uh, but it, it's, you know, a minor, it, I wouldn't argue against 4.75. I, I, it was a great match and they hit super hard there. Uh, but they also take good care of each other, right? Because those, uh, those back suplexes look super hard, but they're not dangerous. You know, they're right. not walking each other at really awkward angles or anything. So, uh, you know, you, any, I think anybody can appreciate what they did. Yeah, and I think we're going to see a story here with the time limit. So we saw the time limit teased in the Naito Sabre match. We saw it teased here in this match. And we're, we're going to talk about Okada Tanahashi for a second. It was teased there too. So I think we're going to see more matches for the tournament go to this this teasing of a, the, the time limit draw. We might actually get a draw at some point. So it's definitely going to be something for everybody to keep your eyes out when we're getting the five minutes, four minutes, three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. They're the, definitely the, the uh, other setting thing- table. The other thing, too, is I could imagine what you're mentioning there, Danny, with it being a little drawn out, especially coming off a 27-minute match just prior to it, you know? So you got two really long matches back-to-back there. That's true. That might have influenced my perception of it. Well, uh, let's move. Actually, we had a question here from uh, Viking Payne. It says, who's the best wrestler in the world, and why is it Shingo Takagi? (laughs) Um, You know, the funny thing is... uh, I know he's serious about that, but I mean, obviously there's a lot of talent out there that you could always, you know, throw in that mix and conversation, but low key for like probably 15 years now, maybe longer Shingo has secretly been in that mix consistently the whole time. He just was on a smaller platform. People didn't know, but now they're, now they're seeing what, you know, the diehards knew all along. Right. Yeah, I mean, Shingo is just a absolutely incredible, definitely one of the best going today. He's the man. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I, I won't throw any shade, a little shade, slight shade. So we had a podcast on this network, no longer with the, the network, and they were just uh, 
they, they know their shit, but they were just not as uh, familiar with uh, New Japan. And when he came out as the secret member for LIJ, they're like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, man, they should have brought someone a little more charismatic. This guy doesn't even seem to fit the LIJ mode. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> like, it's probably one of the worst takes on the history of this network. <laughs> yeah, man. Don't don't go in the archives for that one, folks. <laughs> but uh, let's move on to uh, night two for the first night of the B block. So again, in Osaka, Eddie and Arena, this time a little bit higher of a crowd here, 2,188. So a little bit more of a draw here for the, the dreaded B block that everybody was, uh, you know, dreading because of, of Evil and Yoshihashi and Chase Owens. Um, some people who are... Haven't been watching. They still think Tai Chi, Tai Chi's, you know, old Tai Chi. Uh, a lot of people were, were dreading this this B block show and the B block in general. And overall, I thought that this B block night, um, compared, you know, top to bottom, I thought overall this night was better than you know the first A block night. Even though obviously Shingo and Ishii is a match of the year candidate, uh, I thought consistency wise, the B block uh, took it this weekend for me. Hmm. I hadn't actually thought about which show I preferred more. I, I guess you're right too. I, I, I guess, yeah, because really the, there were two high points those last two matches on the on the A show. So yeah, I think I'd probably go with. Uh, I'd probably agree uh, that B block. I rate the show as a whole a little higher. Yeah. Well, speaking of the show, uh, the show opened up with show uh, defeating. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome <laughs> for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, show defeating uh, Fujita, the other new young lion, by referee's decision. Uh, show once again continuing to use, trying to get over that that snake bite. Gogo Plata got the ref stoppage. Once very similar to the, the Oiwa match, uh, show just being super aggressive. He uh, killed Fujita here with a series of Germans before he got on the uh, the Gogo Plata and uh, got the win here. Yeah, and I noticed that uh, he tried. Uh, Fujita tried to Fujita tried to get a quick start. Like Oiwa did on the first night, but Show wasn't having. It. He just ducked out of the ring, which I thought was pretty, you know, smart little wrinkle to like show that he's an intelligent heel that he learned uh, from the first match. Uh, but yeah, otherwise it was what it was, right? It was a, again kind of an extended squash. But both guys, both young lions, still look great in what they do. What you know, the limited offense they had, they're selling. Everything looks super good, and uh, you know, they're exciting prospects. I think they're they're really, really good and really, really far along. Yeah, it was interesting to see. Also, they were going against each other, but it's interesting to see them against somebody that show that's very experienced and out of that dojo system. And yeah, like we mentioned in their series, man, these guys they're 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 awesome at where they're at right now. And so I know they're gonna have some few other matches in this tour. And so looking forward to seeing them uh, continue to progress. Yeah, it's interesting too um, how the first few times that we saw those guys, I was sort of mentioning how the matches that. Uh, show had had early on with like say Kushida kind of reminded me of what they're doing. So it's sort of a, a good fitting opponent for them. Uh, and at the same time, you know, seeing show in this new phase of his career and this new style of work that he's probably doing. Um, I did see some gifts. I don't know if it was Oiwa or Fujita, but one of them hit this incredible drop. I mean, they, I know they both do great drop kicks, but one of them just killed show with the drop kick. And I was like, Oh man, <laughs> I think that was Oiwa, actually, because yeah. I wrote it down. I wrote it down, dropkick. But in the, uh, yeah, I think that was Oiwa. Yeah, that first night, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he killed show with that. Uh, yeah, so- I don't know what's up with all these young lions doing, you know, Okada-level dropkicks. I don't know what, what's going on <laughs> in that dojo over there. 
They yeah. teach them good drop kicks. They're doing something right, man. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're doing something right for they, sure. They drill it all day. They, they play the Akata video 24-7. And they're like, again, do it again, again, until they get it right. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to the, the first uh, B-block match of the night. We had everybody's favorite wrestler, Evil, defeating Yoshihashi, picking up two points here, 17 minutes and 15 seconds. Uh yeah, you. I think you probably know my thoughts. Uh, I, <laughs> I, uh, I did not like this. I, um, I thought, and it's a shame that I rate this so low. I give this like below two stars, probably, <laughs> if I had to give it a score, a, 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 a score. Um, but I had a shenanigans count going, and I stopped at five. It might have been more than that, <laughs> but I stopped. There was five distinct uh, interferences by uh, Togo and. It was just it was just way too much. And Hashi was working actually really, really hard. Like this is the new Yoshihashi and he's really good. You know, he's doing he looks good out there. He's got a lot of fire. He's doing he did a pump handle backbreaker that was, you know, it was looked great. Uh, but I just can't rate this because it's just so much interference, so much nonsense. Um, yeah, I just I just cannot watch evil matches. It's the same, it's a shame because I think that evil is better than this, actually. I, I don't think he's great, but I think he's better than this. And I don't understand what this booking is. I don't understand who insists on having his matches be like that. Like like why you would. Like I know it's Dick Togo, but I don't know why you would. Like, are you that enamored with like the like eat. the cheap heat style? <laughs> it's just cheap heat, you know? Like it doesn't even seem like the crowd cares, you know? Like it like if like it seems like the crowd um if there's such a thing as like go away heat with with the new japan audience this would have it like it seems like people are just like oh what is this you know this is not wrestling i've seen some pretty negative things about this match and you know if you guys recall uh in my opinion last year during the g1 they actually had one of the better um evil matches of the whole tournament um that and then also the match he had with uh zach saber jr which was also surprisingly really good so um but yeah, the the account that you just gave five different separate you know cases of interference that kind of it's kind of selling me on the idea of maybe uh, hitting the old skip button. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you know I I wasn't as low on this match as Danny was. I, I went the the gentleman's uh, three here. I've actually seen a few uh, higher. I've seen a few people go three and a half on on this match. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, wow. we, have, we have some buddies that said that they enjoyed the match they thought it was pretty good so i mean yeah. i'm a little conflicted here you know well, here, here's the thing like you, you can't like punish yoshihashi for evil like, yoshihashi worked really hard um like you mentioned had a, a, a really good performance and like i'll see if evil was wrestling as lij evil this probably would have been a, a three and a half in my eyes but like you mentioned also there was a lot of interference but i don't think it was overdone it, it wasn't like you know jingu uh, overdone where you have Togo and everybody running out and, you know. Right, I wouldn't describe it as overbooked, right? It yeah. wasn't like a lot of different kinds of things, like different weapons. And different, it was just Togo interjecting himself Over, a bunch of yeah. times. You know, for one time he grabs the leg as the guy's coming off the rope, then he's up on the apron, then he's up on the apron again, then he's sneak attacking, you know. Then he's, uh, you know, there's a bunch of little instances like that. And, yeah, so definitely I've seen worse from Eva. I this isn't even close to his most egregious performance by any means, but uh, it might just be the fact that Hashi worked so hard that I'm punishing it, this match even more because <laughs> Hashi deserved better than to have like such a crappy performance on the other side of that. Uh, it just made me mad. Like, like this guy didn't even let me enjoy a Hashi. Like Hashi at his very best, you know, doing his best, 
but then you know we got all this nonsense going on but yeah um so maybe i was too harsh i will uh i will admit that josh you want to get the questions don't, don't don't take it back just uh you know just ride with it you know oh no it's already <laughs> been published i have the rating app you can think of i put my uh I noted my descent there. <laughs> Fit underscore beautiful 2638 says, the best part about the G1 is how everyone steps up. Yoshihashi really helped me enjoy that evil match. How do I explain to myself from a year ago that this is indeed real life? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's really all depends on your opinions on evil, your opinions on Yoshihashi and what you thought about this match. Obviously, uh, a fit beautiful here is probably a little bit higher on the end, maybe towards that three and a half. Uh, and, and you know, like we said, evil, he's fine. He's he's not a horrible pro wrestler. There there are worse pro wrestlers than evil. But when you you have him with this gimmick, you have him with the Togoism, like that definitely that just drags drags things down more. But from a technical standpoint, I mean, everything that both guys did was executed well. Yeah. Um can't add more to that so we'll just move on but uh yeah yoshihashi rules and evil sucks so <laughs> uh viking pain asked if the rumors are true that the house of torture will be broken off from the bullet club to be their own faction in the future thus leading into an evil j feud with j ultimately turning babyface in the end will a j white babyface turn also affect bullet club as well a babyface slash tweener bullet club would inject some freshness into the faction yeah, hmm. that, that, that's an interesting uh, question there. Um, I mean, we've kind of seen, obviously, like when the Elite was a part of the Bullet Club, they were kind of that tweener, especially when they did stuff in the U.S. I mean, they were pretty much leaning more babyface. Um, so, so you could go that route. I mean, we saw in Resurgence how Jay White, like, burst through the curtains, was too sweeting everybody. So so maybe that is the direction they're going into, and maybe you're going to have this more babyface-leaning um Bullet Club going against the House of Torture. Yeah, maybe it's a little breadcrumb. What do you think, Danny? Uh, yeah, I mean that's certainly possible. I thought I'm sure Jay could pull it off. The only reason I could think of not to want that is because he's such a good heel. Like, and they need heels, like just pure heels, not like you know the Suzuki Gun heels, which you know get cheered a lot and no one wants to boo Suzuki. Um, but he's just a pure heel. And he's really, really good at it. Um, it would be a shame not to have that, even though I know that he would be good in whatever role. You know, he's so seasoned at this point that he'd be really good as that tweener also. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that's where they're going. I, I, I think they could certainly do House of Torture versus the rest of Bullet Club and keep them, keep their personalities as they are now. You know, like he, everyone just cheats. Everyone cheats. Everyone, you know, is a heel. Um, that's a possibility. Well, I don't know if it equals money, but... It's certainly possible. Or they could just, you know, part amicably, right? <laughs> <laughs> just shake hands yeah. and walk away. <laughs> Th that's kind of my big question as well. You know, um, I mean, it does to some extent make sense for them to switch uh, eventually. And like you mentioned, Jeremy, they kind of were tweeners, uh, uh, you know, so they've kind of gone through metamorphosis over time. But um like Danny said, they need heels. So if they're going to step out, someone kind of needs to fill that void. And right now, the only other true blue heel group that exists is United Empire. Um, and I guess the House of Torture maybe would be the one that de facto takes over that. But uh, 
you know, I don't know. At some point, you got to kind of start consolidating uh, at least one or two of these factions. It, they start to get long in the tooth. So, you know, I'm wondering if Bull Club even is long for this world. Hey, man, as long as those T-shirts keep selling, they're going to be around. <laughs> that's the that's the only thing that makes me reticent to say that. But, you know, um, every, all good things come to an end, you know? Yeah, I guess, guess we'll see. <laughs> Uh, the next question here we've got from Dom Homie 101. Is it me or is Yoshihashi the best opponent for this version of evil? So apparently there's some people that were kind of enjoying this match. I don't know. I, I enjoyed Hashi. I enjoyed Hashi's side. And then every time <laughs> something would happen with Toga, I'd be like, ah, you know, like, oh, really? Like, why? Um, no, I, I, I get that totally. I mean, Hashi is, he's really good. He's really solid. He, and he's doing a lot of little things better than he did even a year ago two years ago you know i feel like he fills the spaces between his spots a lot better a lot more credibly um he just looks better out there he's comfortable you know like this is i like i'm really happy to see this you know out of him and i look forward to his matches to his matches when he was not involved right and you know like we mentioned he, he got a renewal you know once he won the never six man uh titles and I think Yoshashi just wants to try really hard. He wants to prove that he should be in the G1 and belongs. You know, he didn't score very well last year. Got I think got four points or something like that, very low on the block. And so he goes out there, works really hard, and, you know, he tries to out, outwork the Togoism and ends up being in decent matches. Yeah, I mean, there's a part of me that's, like, thinking about the question. I'm like, who is Evil's best opponent since he turned heel, you know? Aroma. I can't. Huh? Hiromu. They had one match. And I mean, him and Z- Zack Sabre had like one match. I don't think there's a single person really that I've felt confident to to say like, yes, when these two guys go out, they're going to deliver. Yeah. I think it all depends. Again, this was the opening match. So, you know, they didn't get the, the normal evil 30 plus minutes. So I think that that helped too. Very interesting. Well, let's move on to the next matchup. We had the Aloha maker Jeff Cobb defeating the crown jewel Chase Owens, 12 minutes and 11 seconds. And uh, this was a very good matchup here. You know, we, we've talked on the show before about how, you know, we, how good of an in-ring worker we thought Chase Owens was. And he showed it really here in this match. I mean, there was pretty much no cheating from Chase here. And no cheating from Cobb, but both these guys, this is a match I feel like you would see like on, a, on an independent kind of main event, and these guys uh, did a really good job here. And I feel like um, we've seen these two guys wrestle on that produce show that Kenny did at the CEO show a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. I forgot they had that match there. Yeah, we saw that live. And uh, I don't remember being that impressed with that at the time, but uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this delivered. Yeah, I thought it did. Um, I didn't really have expectations either way, but I, I thought uh, Chase looked really good. Like uh, all his offense looked really um, looked really credible, right? Like he's uh, all his offense is perfectly suited for a smaller guy versus a bigger guy. You know, he's hitting V triggers. He's uh, he's uh, what what else did he do? Well, he took a belly to belly on the floor, which was crazy. <laughs> Just he got tossed completely. Yeah. Um, Took a great bump off the top rope when Cobb cut out his legs. That looked gnarly. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really good match. I thought, I mean, I was into it. It was, and it was the pace was fast. The pace was fast. These guys just kept moving. Cobb is a physical freak. Um, yeah, I went like three and a half, three and a quarter stars on this. I thought it was pretty good. 
Yeah, I went three and a half. Like you mentioned, you know, fast-paced, 12-minute match. Story of the match is obviously Jeff Cobb is the more powerful, the bigger opponent, and Chase is trying to outwork him, try to outuse his speed advantage, um, the quickness. And But, you know, Cobb would catch him. Like you mentioned, that belly, the belly to the floor, that was nasty. And just the, all the crazy like, the power moves that he was doing to uh, Chase Owens throughout this match until he finally was able to get him in the uh, the rebound tour of the islands. One, two, three. Cobb picks up his uh, first two points here. Nice. We uh, had a question here from uh, Chak Tlaloc. <laughs> they asked, uh, what role should Chase Owens fill now that he is the Texas heavyweight champion? <laughs> well, I don't think his role is changing. I mean, he's been the Texas heavyweight champ for a while now, and I don't think that has changed his role whatsoever. <laughs> is it even a real title? I mean, we don't even know what this means. Yeah, we, does he walk out with it? I can't remember. Does he come out with that? Sometimes. I don't remember Sometimes, him coming right? out with it. Did he come out? I don't think he came out with it. I don't it. think so. Not this time. Yeah. Maybe he lost it over the weekend. <laughs> he didn't even realize it. They probably told him, like, yo, keep your, uh, keep your, uh, you know, replica belt at home. Like, this is the G1, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Let's move on to the next matchup here. Cole Skull Sonata defeating Tamatonga. 19 minutes and four seconds. Uh, thought it was again another uh, very good matchup here. Um, you know, another bull club guy with with minimal cheating. I know a lot of people were worried about Tamatonga. You know, last time we saw him in a G one, his performances were not that great. Kind of stunk up the joint, but I thought he worked really hard here. Had a good match here for Sonata, who's a guy who typically wrestles to the level of the guy he's in there with. Uh, I thought for the most part this was pretty uh, fast paced. A lot of great counters. You know, the way that Sonata countered. Uh, the gun stun in, into the, the the skull end, and there was a lot of great, um, there were a lot of gun, gun stun counters, um, a lot of um, counters out of the the, the the dragon sleeper. You know, Tamatonga did a uh, tongue and twist out of that. These guys worked really well together, and I thought it was another, again a three and a half, another really good matchup. Yeah, I'm actually right there with you. Three and a half. Um, I, I will say this is probably the first time that I haven't been disappointed with Tamatanga in a singles because I think I, the, <laughs> no, I, that, oh, damn, that was supposed to be a compliment. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the temptation with Tama is always like when he gets a singles, you know, match, you're like, okay, he's really good in tag, super charismatic guy. You know, this should be good. And then invariably it's usually not usually it's kind of mid. Right. Uh, but this is the best I think I've ever seen him. Um, just he was and maybe it's just the chemistry he has with Sonata, but they were countering uh, really, really well. They were uh, he busted out that butterfly pile driver. Oh, yeah. Tam Tam to the, to the J driller. I was like, oh, my God. That's what it's called. I couldn't remember what the name was. <laughs> the Tiger Driver 98. Yes. Drop, drop this man's not on his dome. Yeah, wow. it was. And um, yeah, it was a really, really good match. Um, I took off a full quarter star for uh, for the Paradise Lock. <laughs> I can't, I can't, with that. I can't, I cannot with that move. I just, that move just, it just kills everything. Like it's, and I don't even get why he still does it to be honest, because the crowd is so into it before it happens. Like when he's like telling them cheer, 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 you know, clap, clap, clap. Then when he actually connects with that low drop kick, as he slaps his thighs super hard with both hands, uh, it's just like, eh, you know, it's just like, and, and the, you know, clap crowd, I understand. But even before clap crowds, even pre pandemic, it was always just a very lukewarm kind of pop. So I'm like, this is like, Listen, Dan, I think the problem is, like, I know you've done some training, but, you know, I've trained more than you. So uh, the thing is, you probably just don't understand the technical beauty of 
the paradise lock. I mean, I've been locked in that thing and you just can't get out. You know, what you I'm woke saying? up like a week later, right? You were like, yeah. where am I? What's they going let, on? So, so, so Matt Seidel puts me in a paradise lock, right? Turns off the lights, the building leaves. I'm there alone, you know, no food, no water, no sustenance. <laughs> I fall asleep. I wake up the next morning and you know, the people that own the building are there and they're wondering what I'm doing in the ring tied up in knots. And I had to have some people push me over. So <laughs> it's a very, very, very legit move. And I just yeah. think you don't get that. I don't know. That's my fault. That's my. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But, yeah, we got to but otherwise, yes, I agree, Jeremy. It was a really good match. Um, I, I actually watched this match with uh I, I watched it with English commentary and Japanese commentary in the background. Like I put both okay. streams on and the Japanese commentators were going absolutely ape and it, I thought it really added to the match. They were really, really into it. Yeah, I thought both guys like worked really hard to like get the fans into it. Like Tamo kind of stole the, the RKO setup where he was like pounding the mat and the crowd's like clapping along to the pound and then end of the match he goes for the gunstone one more time uh, Sonata counters into an O'Connor roll one two three gets rolled up and Sonata gets his first two points on the board nice and just for the record I was joking I don't know if I've trained more than Danny I have no idea um you know keep in mind with these two guys though they have worked extensively together uh especially in those tag team matches between G.O.D. and L.I.J. back in the day so uh, we did have a question here from Mitch MM22 he said is Sonata's character supposed to be dumb in kayfabe? <laughs> Watching that Tamatanga match was infuriating. Falling for the dumb heel stick and shaking Tama's hand and posing on the top rope with his back turn. Uh, then he released the skull end into a missed moonsault. Kills me every time. I love watching Sonata wrestle, but the character is so damn frustrating. I'm genuinely asked... Is being dumb a part of the character? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he is a coal skull. Maybe there, there's nothing in the in the coal skull. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, the the moonsault thing uh, frustrates me a lot too. Because especially you know the refs dropping the arm one and two, and then he's gonna get the win with the stoppage, and then he goes up for the moonsault, and then the guy always recovers in time and, and moves. So that is, that is kind of dumb as well. And then yeah, in this matchup, Tama offers the handshake. Twice he fell for it twice and got attacked that way. And then, uh, Tama, I thought it was hilarious where like Tam was like, We just did a nice spot together, shake my hand. <laughs> I respect you, I respect you. <laughs> uh, and then the, the, the pose off, and Tama lured him into the pose off again. So, yeah, I think, uh, what, what do they call Sonata? A, a himbo? Is that, is that what the, the term? Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a dumb jock, and yeah, he just falls for everybody's uh, tricks. Yeah, we used to try to like make sense of it, you know, using logic and psychology. But like, I'm done making excuses for this man. He's just stupid. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the semi-main event here. Dangerous T Tai Chi. He defeats Hiroki Goto. 18 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, another little hard-hitting matchup here. Danny, what do you think about this one? Yeah, really liked it. I actually watched it twice. Um, uh, first time, I went four stars on it. Uh, second time, I went a little lower, maybe like 3.75. But, eh, the word, you know, again, picking at nits. Um, the only thing was maybe the first five minutes or like that slow Tai Chi pace, uh, maybe a little bit more than five minutes. But I, I, after that, it got, and, you know, he was doing like the choking with the cable on the outside and Red Shoes was powerless to stop well, him. Hey, oh. to, to be fair, Goto did choke him with the cables first. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's then Tai Chi returned the favor, shot Red Shoes, all that stuff. I, like, 
if you were, if I was rewatching it a third time, which I'm not going to do, but if I was, I would just skip the beginning, right? I would skip the beginning, and and then it really, really picks up. And uh, yeah, Tai Chi is, you know, he's really good. You know, he's not he he's he's the old Tai Chi for up to a point in the match, and then he gets serious and he puts his working boots on and he starts kicking, you know, k- kicking relentlessly. And Goto's Goto. Goto is you know super reliable, super snug. So everything looked really good down the stretch. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really, really good match. Yeah, I like that um, Tai Chi has now incorporated that choke slam maneuver. You know, he, he teases, you know, doing the chokes all in the beginning of the match. He does the quote-unquote Grecan Roman choke, but the, he's been turning that into a choke slam now. Um, I love that that illegal sumo strike move that he's been doing, that, that sumo uh, forearm elbow moves. That's just killer. Um, these guys had a great strike exchange where if, uh, Tai Chi kicking the, the knee and Goto throwing uh, forearms and... Yeah, like, like you mentioned, after you get through the, the, the first few shenanigans, it, it's all, like, hard-hitting action here. These guys throwing big strikes, uh, throwing you know, big suplex. we got that dangerous, you know, backdrop driver, uh, which was great uh, to Goto. Um, and just a lot of good stuff. Goto busting up the Shouten Kai for uh, a great near fall as well. And so there's a lot of great uh, back and forth here until um, Tai Chi eventually, yeah, I'm going to mention he hits that, the, the sumo elbow and hits the black Mephisto one, two, three. We also had Miho Abe out here. So we had Miho Abe and Peter in the same weekend. Uh, Jeremy, clean it up. Clean it up. This is, <laughs> you're making this podcast a little too thirsty. I mean. <laughs> hey, uh, hey well, speaking of thirsty, man, Chris Charlton, he, he was pretty uh, thirsty on all the calls this weekend. Why, what did he say? Well, he was like, uh, when uh, Peter was out there, he was like, Kind of like you know, oh man, it's you know the atmosphere. Like it's just great seeing her, makes things so much better. And then there was some, oh, he wanted her to do the uh, the chest pop, the the chest um, pump or whatever that um, Tai Chi does. He was saying that for Miho. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, 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 I like to see Miho do that. <laughs> and Kevin's like, would you stop? <laughs> oh man. So yeah, good stuff here. I went four stars uh, flat on this one. Uh, yeah, hit, hit the notebook for me. Really enjoyed this one. And that brings us to the main event of the evening: the Rainmaker, and I can say that proudly. The Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada is back. He defeats the Ace Hiroshi Tanahashi. Twenty nine minutes and thirty six seconds. Literally coming down. The last few seconds before the the thirty minute time limit draw, and I thought this was a a masterpiece. Obviously, these guys amazing chemistry. They never have a bad match. I know a lot of people were kind of low on the Dallas match, saying they were just kind of playing the hits. I mean, we were there live, and I loved that match, uh, and I loved this match as well too. We saw a lot of the old Raymaker Okada, a lot of the, the, the cocky one foot cover. Um, you know, just you know, some of the different spots he was doing. I mean, he still incorporated the money clip, but we saw more of the Rainmaker combo holding onto the wrist. We got the Rainmaker pose, and of course, Tanahashi was excellent as well. We got the high fly flow to the outside and the dragon screws, and the, the counter of the Rainmaker into a small package towards the end. I bit on that. I, th- I thought Tanahashi was going to get him there. Uh, yeah, just again, just so many incredible counters uh, back and forth, but it came down to the bread and butter that rain maker. Bow one, two, three, lights out for the U.S. champ. Ok, 
Okada gets two points. Danny, what do you think? Well, you know, Okada is my favorite. Well, you know that now. So I obviously went seven stars on this. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> I went four and a half on it. I thought it was great. I, you know, they, it is the, very familiar when you watch these guys. It's like the same notes in a different arrangement and it makes all the difference, right? Little things, right? Like Tana going to hit the ropes, but then he stops short and drop kicks right away. He mm-hmm. drop kicks the knee right away. Just a lot of little things like that. And like kind of that uh, development where, Okada's finding himself again. He's he's going back to being the rainmaker. Uh, the transition into the money clip off the rolled crossbody. You know, the money clip is never going to be anybody's favorite, but at least he's finding something interesting to do with it here and there. And the sub does give him something else, like another plausible finish, right? Um, like uh, just going back to the Ishii to, and Chingo match, if I had to, again, criticize it, um, one thing is that there were no credible there were no believable false finishes for Ishii in that match I couldn't think of one where I sort of bit at all because he doesn't have other finishers right he has the brain buster uh, he, right. doesn't have, he doesn't have a submission and you know when's the last time he he won a singles match of any significance with the power bomb or lariat sliding or running right like so you take those things out and then it kind of ruins that that you don't have another plausible finish and these guys do because you're not the only one that bit hard on that small package on the on the inside cradle like in the crowd too the crowd gasped because it was so close it was great you know red shoes was perfect yeah it was a really really good match and uh yeah i mean i'm, I'm not sure they, they got to pop off a headlock they got they got an audible <laughs> gasp that crowd got an audible gasp off a headlock reversal you know that's when i was like okay this is you know these guys are about to perform some art, you know? Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I thought it was great. Um, oh, Okada had new gear. That's always a plus. Yeah, he had the uh, NXT 2.0 gear on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's a bad sign. That's a bad sign. All right, I guess that we've seen the last of him after this G1. <laughs> it, it, it's better than, than the long boys. <laughs> Couldn't get that's, much worse. Those are my exact sentiments. I'm like, at least it's not the freaking long boys, you know? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I was fine on the gear either way. It, it, they were okay. Uh, but yeah, it was just a really, really good match that uh, like, it's it's the kind of match where if you've been watching, you're rewarded, right? It's, it's one of those things, right? That that uh, New Japan always rewards longtime viewers. I think they continue to do that, which is amazing because these guys have wrestled so many times, but they still find new ways to put things together. And, you know, as as Tanahashi ages out, out a little more, you know, he might be around another 10 years for all I know but uh, at this pace. Um, but as he gets older and Okada is still in his physical prime, they can change the story a little bit, right? Because now it's two in a row that Okada has got over him. So it keeps things interesting. Um, yeah, I really don't have, you know, if I went four and a half, I, I, I could be talked into higher, a little bit higher. Um, the only thing, you know, that this match was missing was maybe, um, you know, stakes, you know, just, you know, that it was just opening night. Yeah. My, think- my biggest thing was just thinking that they'd kind of reached the highest of heights that they possibly, you know, could, uh, could reach and pretty much done, you know, told every story that was, possible for them to tell you know and the idea that you know that tanahashi would even be competitive or favored or be capable of beating uh okada in 2021 just seemed kind of far-fetched to me and now look where we're at you know right and yeah and i i thought also i went four and a half on the match as well um yeah i I think the only thing that was missing was a, a sold out arena that could cheer and shout i feel if they have that energy it, it might have pushed it over the top but 
like you mentioned, Josh, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think Tanahashi is still going at this high level. He's still competing against Okada and trying to to beat him and prove that he's still the ace. And, you know, a lot of people had the, the Tanahashi upset alert, especially with him being the U.S. champ and thinking he that Okada would start cold, but uh, starting hot here. And I think that's actually probably the right move, especially since Okada just lost to Jeff Cobb. And, you know, Okada's already had COVID, and he's vaccinated now, so he should be one of those guys that should – I know you could probably get it again, but he might be a lock to kind of be one of the safe guys, and it, it might be his time. You know, it's been a long time since he's uh, won a G1 or been in a final. So, I mean, this this could be Okada's year. Yeah, and, you know, that kind of makes the most sense if you really think about it because uh, just looking at Naito and, you know, how he kind of, you know, unceremoniously, you know, was dumb or, you know, got hurt and is out of the, the tournament – there's no telling what could happen between now and the end of the tournament. So like probably the smartest thing that you could possibly do if you have someone that you know is going to win and that's going to be favored is not to get too cute with it and probably just book them to win most of their matches. Uh, I know, I know there are times where they've done like round Robin scenarios and this guy gets the, you know, the tiebreaker over this guy and yada, yada. Uh, I wouldn't even really mess with that. do more like the classic all Japan, you know, champions carnival style booking, you know, have the guys that are going to win look just strong as fuck. That way you're not even really messing around too much, you know? Right. Makes sense. I, I, I also thought that Tanahashi might've won this one. Like I, I thought there was a good chance, like, right. He's kind of surging with the U S title just to give that a little bit more shine, but it's a long tournament. He's got plenty of wins to pick up. Uh, so I think it was probably was the right thing. Um, to establish Okada early, like uh, Josh said, for those reasons. We have some questions here, but one question I want to ask you guys, because this is something I've heard a lot of people talk about. What are your thoughts on them continuously teasing the 30-minute stretch match after match in some of these like main and some of the main events? Because we're hearing some – I've seen some com- uh, complaints about it online, and I'm wondering if it's going to be a narrative that kind of runs throughout the tournament or if it's uh, you know something that's just happening in these early shows, you know? Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I, I do think this might be a narrative that we see throughout this tournament, a lot of these main events kind of pushing to that 30-minute time. I mean, they're, they're, they've already been doing that pre-G1 because they they want to get people their, their money's worth and have you know the long New Japan main events. But now I think they can turn that into a story element with there being a, a hard-set 30-minute time limit. So I do think we might see that play out more. We might actually get a draw. I think it's been a while since we've, we've seen a draw in a G1, so maybe this is the year, you know, there's, there's a lot of big guys that got to face each other. Maybe a draw comes down the line. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think, I mean, I personally don't have a problem if it keeps going like that, if they keep getting close, because these so far, I mean, the three matches we saw that were pretty close to the time limit, was it three or four? Uh, they weren't guys that, where that's unbelievable, you know, where they typically don't go that long at all. Right. But no, this is Okada Tanahashi. This is Naito Saber, Ishii Takagi. You know, the, that it makes sense that they get close to that time limit. If they're dragging out Yujiro Ibushi 30 minutes, then we have to sit down and have a talk. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but they're not doing that. So as long as they're not doing it just for the sake of getting close to 30 minutes, as long as they're doing it in matches where it, it makes sense, I don't have a problem. Well, let's move on to some of these questions real quick. Um, Dom Homie 101 asked, thoughts on the return of the legend that's known as the Rainmaker? Uh, I think it was great to see Okada kind of returning slowly back to form and just incorporating the Rainmaker more and using the Rainmaker to get the win here. And then 
you know, in the post-match promo, you know, admitting to the fans, like, you know, I'm, I haven't been, you know, the Okada that you're used to. Um, you haven't seen the, the top Okada performance lately. Well, well, that's changing, and the Rainmaker is back. And so um, I, I could do it less money clip, but it was good to see him uh, bringing back the Rainmaker and getting the big win with that and starting to use that again. Yeah, agreed. Uh, like, I think if he's going to use the Rainmaker on anyone, it would be his greatest rival, right? That that would be one where he's like, forget it. You know, I know this works. I'm going to do this move, you know, put this guy away, uh, as opposed to being hard-headed and trying to get the money clip over, trying to get the win with that. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's the right play right now, too. I mean, as far as the company goes, like you said, he's healthy. Um there's and they've got three nights to fill at the dome, you know. If if yeah. Okada's on two of those nights in the main, I don't think anybody would blink, right? That's that's Okada. That's kind of what he does, right? right. And then you you have you know that simplifies the rest of the booking somewhat. Uh, his next question: Are Okada and Tanahashi each other's best rival and opponent? Interesting question. Um... I mean, it's I think I think it's an easy question for me. I'm I'll just tell you straight up. Yes, absolutely, they're each other's best opponent. Yes, absolutely, they're each other's best rival. Um, and I think when you quantify it by putting those two things together, uh, you might have a you might have an argument for other opponents that are like just pure in ring gold with them, and you might have other guys that are you know, have heated rivalries with them. We can, you know, you can list your Nakamura's, you can list your Omega's and all that. But if you really amalgamate those two things, what is the best in-ring and, you know, pure rivalry? I mean, Okada Tanahashi, I mean, you're talking about Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. You're talking about Ric Flair and Rick Steamboat. You're talking about Takata or um, you're talking about Mizawa and uh, Kawada. I mean, you're talking about the all-time best rivalries. And I mean, you know, in ring, sure, Okada Omega might be better, but like nobody has knocked it out of the park on the on as high of a level as often as Okada and Tanahashi. Period. It's the greatest rivalry in the history of wrestling. Yeah, I was gonna say you people could potentially argue uh, Omega for Okada, but I mean, without the Tanahashi rivalry, is there an Omega Okada that the Tanahashi rivalry sets the foundation, creates Okada, gets him over, and it it was a a rivalry that really took the company into an upswing to where it was the last few years. Yeah. And I mean, you can make the same thing, the same argument for uh, Nakamura and Tanahashi as well. And the, uh, you know, the long-term importance of that rivalry as well. But I I don't think anything really touches Okada Tanahashi period. You know what I'm going to (laughs) say? Yeah. Uh, Well, it, it, you know, it defines a whole, Era, right? Like, like you said, Misawa Kawada, right? It, it's it, Steamboat Flair. It defines this era, right? Like, what is a great match in this time, a great rivalry, a great feud? It's this, right? So I think that alone puts it, yeah, and you could single out individual matches that maybe you rank higher, right? Like the Omega series or Nakamura with Tana. But yeah, I totally agree that it's it's just, it's so identifiable as like this was the main thing in New Japan for these years. This was it. This was the centerpiece of the whole company. Right. Uh, next question from Chuck Talak. He asked, or they asked, were you also underwhelmed 
by Okada randomly busting out the Rainmaker in day one and putting Tanahashi away with it with only seconds to spare. Randomly? How dare you? <laughs> no, uh, no, I kind of get that criticism, right? Because maybe you wanted to build up to like, you know, a later show that's more important, that's more pivotal in points and stuff like that. I sort of understand that criticism. But I think, again, if you if he's going to, if they have to put that night one, uh, he's going to do it against Tanahashi, right? That's the right opponent to bust that out uh, for. So, uh, like, yeah, I'm totally cool with it, but I, I do get the criticism if, if you're hoping for like a more of a slow build and like more of tease, tease, tease. Maybe he goes for it, misses it, you know, and then later on down the stretch when it really counts, he hits it. Did you guys want him to do the money clip all year like last year? I mean, come on, bro. Yeah, I was not overwhelmed. I was pleased. I mean, we, we've seen, we've gotten the whole long build for Okada when he was, you know, balloon Okada. He kind of he tried to build back up to what he was. Uh, and like you mentioned, we've seen the money clip all year. We've, we've been seeing this. This, this has been a long play of him finally really, you know, using the Rainmaker. So I don't think we need to build up the G1 to, for the Rainmaker again. I think they're the right thing of setting the pace, setting the tempo for what kind of Okada we're going to see in this tournament where we're getting the Rainmaker back. That's the kind of pace, that's the tempo we're going to see for the rest of the tournament. Dude, the other thing too is Okada's been watching Tanahashi and seeing him like surge and he's like, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm going back to Old Faithful. I'm going to put him down with the same move that I know works. I'm not fucking around with no Rainmaker, like with a money clip, you know? Okay. This guy, we can't we can't be playing games with Tanahashi, okay? I'm not gonna get embarrassed on the first day of the G1 against, you know, old ass Tanahashi. <laughs> Fuck that, you know. That was hold my this, point. <laughs> hold this, go to sleep, and guess what? I'm serving rainmakers up on the menu for the rest of you motherfuckers for the entire <laughs> tournament. Everyone can get some. I hope I hope this guy goes undefeated. I hope Okada just like just fucks up the B block, you know? It's quite possible he could. <laughs> Not Jeremy, but you did make a great point there that where you talked about that we have seen kind of a build towards toward it. It's just, you know, if you think of that G1 as kind of like self-contained, isolated, then yeah, it was day one. Well, how could he do it on the first day? But if you've been watching all along, it's, you know, the culmination. This day one is the culmination of the whole year. Um, last uh, last couple questions just about the G1 here. Uh, fit underscore beautiful 2638. Serious question. Who do you think stepped up the most in the first two days? Tamatonga, Yujiro, Chase, or somebody else? What do you think, Nanny? Um, I think all those guys performed fine. I, I wouldn't say Yujiro because, like I said, the match was, you know, it was capable. It wasn't anything special. It was just the ending, right? The ending kind of put it over the top. Chase was solid as always. I, I guess Tama, right? Because, like I said, Tama, this is the first time that I haven't been disappointed because I get my hopes up for Tama because I really like Tamatonga. Like, I think he's a really super athlete super charismatic can i can i share a quick story yeah go um, ahead. yeah uh, when when we went to uh uh msg the msg show the this girl sitting next to me um she was going bananas for tamatanga like just she was like that's my boo that's my baby she's screaming <laughs> right screaming the whole time dude she didn't know anyone else on this card and i mean any okada came out she was like who's that she, wow. and, but, you know, she's just, so he's, this is the hold that Tama has on his fans, okay? This is the connection he has with some of these fans. So I, I consider him a super charismatic guy, really great athlete, and I've often been disappointed when he gets, like, singles matches because they're not that good. 
this was really good. I thought this was really, really good. And I think the best is yet to come for him because, like I said, Sonata is a great opponent for him. They're very familiar. But um, he does have those tendencies that bother me. And like that person said, like, is he is he a dummy? <laughs> that question that we got. So I, I, I expect better things. Like, I'm really looking forward to some of these matches with Tom. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. I, w- I would go Tom. I mean, Chase is definitely a, a good option, but I feel like Chase has always kind of been good. Just never really gotten the opportunity, whereas Tama Tonga has gotten opportunities before in the past. Like you mentioned, you know, very good stuff here with Sonata. And again, the cheating, there wasn't much cheating. I mean, Jado really didn't get involved that much, and Tama really didn't do much cheating. He was clean for the most part, high pace, uh, a lot of great, you know, stuff into the gun stun. And so, like you mentioned, I think this is not the best we've seen. I think we're probably going to see even better or at least this level throughout the tournament, which is, will be a very good thing for Tamatanga. Nice. Um, next, last couple questions here from Rambo and Slam Pick. He asked, who was surprised the most so far in terms of performance, either positively or negatively? I think we kind of answered that. I think most positively is probably Tama. Is there anybody that has underperformed so far, uh, in your opinion? Um, I don't know if anybody's Underperformed. Um, I mean, I still want to see more from Ocon and Tangaloa in their other that's matches. What, that's based on the review you guys gave. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, that was the first thing that came to mind. One of those guys, but it wasn't. Yeah, I, I didn't. It would. They would have underperformed if I expected like something more than that. But I expected kind of a gentleman's three, and that's kind of what we got. Uh, on the first two nights. Um, which of the two main events was better in your view? I'm having a hard time picking, which is a major credit to all four performers. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) That's the rainmaker. Yeah, no, I I like that match more. I thought it was, uh, like I said, it's just just one of those matches where you're like, and I'm actually not really smart about things like this. Like when I see it and like I can pick up on like, oh, that's a callback to like this match. You know, the three matches ago, blah, blah, blah. You know, usually it takes me a while, some rewatches to for that stuff to sink in. But you could tell that there was a lot going on here. Like these two guys know each other really well. And like I I said, the the headlock reversal, when they got a pop off of that in like the first few minutes, I was like, oh, you know, like these guys, you know, they're here to do the thing. Um, But, you know, that doesn't mean that's not to take anything away from Ishii and Shingo. It's a completely different kind of match, right? Like sometimes it's like, how do you even compare those, you know? Like right. if you're in the mood just to watch, you know, big beefy men slapping meat, <laughs> but, you know, Shingo and Ishii is it. That's it's it by, by a landslide, you know? But if you want a different kind of match with like, you know, kind of like that slowish build, you know, with grappling and then some high spots and then they're exhausted and they're, you know, that kind of thing, then, then obviously it would be Okada and Tama. Yeah, for me, I, I went. I would go with uh, Shingo and Ishii. I mean, by a very slight margin. I mean, I went four point uh, seven five on Shingo Ishii. I went four and a half on Tanahashi and Okada. But to me, for Shingo and Ishii, the, the violence was just, just on, on, on a whole other level, and just the, the the pace they worked within that near thirty minute match, and the lariats, the chops, and just everything that they put their bodies through. In that match, and I think both guys are incredible sellers, especially Ishii. So that that put it over for me. Uh, but again, both incredible matches. You know, I I could be swayed to a four point seven five for Okada and Tanahashi, and I could see why some people might like that match a little bit more, like you, Dane, than Ishii and Shingo. Yeah, that's good. That's a good argument to have, right? Which which of these two did you uh, did you prefer? You know, that's a good yeah. problem to have where you just can't pick. 
Nice. Well, we've got uh, three nights coming up on the 23rd, 24th, and 26th. Jeremy, did you just want to run through those cards real quick, or did you want to preview? I didn't. I wasn't sure how you're doing that. Uh, I mean, we can do a preview, maybe give some uh, quick predictions on uh, who we think is going over these next three nights. Okay, nice. So September 23rd and Ota Ward, we've got Shingo Takagi against Zack Sabre Jr. What are we thinking that night? Uh, so that that's the uh, the main event that night, and that's going to be a big match. Uh, both guys coming in with big wins, and then obviously this match got even more personal now. As right, Saber has taken out uh, Shingo's friend and leader of Lij, so Shingo also fighting for his friend. So uh, this should be a, a very interesting main event. I don't know if we've have we seen Saber and Shingo wrestle in New Japan. Not that I can recall, and it, it might be a first time ever match. Uh, I'd have to take a look and double check that but i can do that real quick yeah i'm really interested to see how i mean uh we've seen saber and ishii and they have great matches so i think that's gonna be a similar kind of chemistry here with with shingo and saber so i'm really looking forward to this one but uh i'm gonna go shingo for the win yeah i think so too i don't have really great reason other than he's the champion and i think they're going to save his losses for people they can do more with like, right. Oh, maybe, I mean, that might end up being Zach, right? Like like we said, three nights to fill at Wrestle Kingdom and Zach is the kind of guy you could strap the rocket to at any point. Um, but right now it's probably Shingo. So I think it's a, this one's really interesting because so early on we're getting a, a match that's going to matter later on in the uh, tournament. I think I'm going to go with Zach. Uh, just in case it comes down to a tiebreaker situation, because Shingo's going to be booked pretty strong the rest of the tournament. Um, I think I think you need an audible here and probably have Zach beat him somehow, mm. and then that way they can you know finish with pretty comparable uh, point totals. Of course, I, maybe that's not the way they're going, and maybe you do just have Shingo win. But I'm, I'm going to uh, put my bet on uh, Zach here. Also, this doesn't help much, but they have one recorded. Singles match from WXW 16 karat gold tournament in 2009. It was a semifinal match, and Shingo did defeat ZSJ nine minutes and 27 seconds. So, you know, guessing this won't go longer than that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, mention that WXW match, but I wanted to see if you could find it. Oh, nice! <laughs> I believe you actually. <laughs> um, so kind of going, uh, I'll st- I'll go back to the bottom of the card. So we're opening up the night, Toriano against Great Okan. What are we thinking for that one? I'm thinking Okan gets the win here, uh, get revenge from the New Japan Cup. Yeah, I think Okan needs to beat Toriano. Agreed. Just because. Um, so all three of us are in uh, agreement. We also have Kenta versus Yujiro, second match of the night. So we got Bullet Club here versus House of Torture Bullet Club. So it's going to be interesting to see how, if any of that kind of plays out. Um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kenta here. Uh, we'll go to sleep. Yeah, both guys coming off losses. Kenta probably needs the win a little. No, bit you just coming off a win with a, with a big oh juice. My God. I, you're right. I'm just so used to him losing. <laughs> <laughs> and Kenta really needs the win. <laughs> uh, but uh, real quick, there was another question uh, about uh, Yujiro that I, that I missed from the Discord from EMJ does PR. He says, "Who has the biggest juice?" Huge, huge, or Juice Robinson? <sighs> it's got, I don't know. Have you can reconsidered your policy of reading every question again? <laughs> it's, it, it, it's equal. They have the same size juice. I think we need to ask Peter. 
What is it, what are you implying right now? <laughs> I think she would know who has the bigger juice. Okay. Uh, Mo- Jeremy's just gone off the deep end on this episode. <laughs> um, we also have the uh, the gimme match for Tangaloa against Yuji Nagata. I'm pretty sure we all assume Tangaloa's winning that one. And then the semi-main event of the night, Kota Ibushi taking on Tomohiro Ishii. The war in the G1 that will never end. I hope these guys just coexist in the same block for all eternity. Yeah, should be incredible. I'm going to go with Big Tom. Have Ibushi start real cold, maybe start 0-3, and then rattle off six at the end. Yeah, that's kind of what I envision too. I think it's going to be he's going to get closer. You know, he's going to improve, and then he's going to hit his stride, right? So he's that's- not going to get the win here. That's got to be what's, I mean, after the Ujiro loss, you got to figure that that's what's happening. But uh, yeah, I'll ride with you guys. So September 24th, Ota Ward, we open up the night. Hiroshi Tanahashi against Hiroki Goto. Um, you know, old country beef. What are we thinking there? Pretty interesting match to be the opener on this show. I would have probably thrown this more semi-main or the, the more the mid card. Um, it should be a great way to kick off the night. Um, Tanahashi might take a little, a little bit of a night off after that, that banger with Okada. Um, but I'm going to go with Tanahashi getting get, bouncing back and getting a win. Yeah, that is an extremely wild uh, pick for Curtain Jerker with Tamatanga and Chase Owens on the same card. Um, mm. Yeah, I think Tana probably. I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm bad at this. I'm bad at this. <laughs> I'm really bad at these picks. The, the thing is with Goto, he's that guy that can beat anybody on any night, no matter who it is, pretty much. Um so, I mean, you just never know with him. I'm going to go with Tanahashi, but I wouldn't be surprised if Goto actually beats him. Yeah, hold on. I just want to double-check to make sure that's actually... The, the, <laughs> that can't be right. man. Right, that, that can't be right. <laughs> yeah, because that looks like that could easily be, like, the semi-main event. You got it as the opener. Yeah, I mean, I, I copied this from, from Big Dave, so if it's, it's a box. Bro, they're always wrong. Stop copying from, voice, from uh, Wrestling Observer. <laughs> Uh, no, so, and, yeah, 1972, yeah, yeah, Tanahashi Goto, is it's the first match. Hey, well, they're starting off hot, so. so this uh, is Super Bowl two, is what you're telling me. <laughs> this is Lager uh, versus Pillman. <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, Tamatonga versus Chase Owens in the second match of the night. Uh, I'm going to go with Tama. Same. Uh, I'll just go with you guys, because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> After that, we have uh, Yoshihashi and Jeff Cobb. I think Cobb is going to be another guy that's going to start off hot, probably end cold. So, yeah, have Cobb toss Yoshihashi around here. I think uh, Yoshihashi's uh going to take a tour of the islands, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the semi-main event, we've got Sonata versus Taichi. Is there not a preview? Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that, that it's only on the A block nights. Um, Sonata versus Taichi, semi-main event action. Um, hmm. I can see Taichi taking this. Yeah, Sonata's I mean, he... winning this. You think so? Yeah, it's Sonata. So okay. yeah, I'm gonna go with Sonata just because Naito lost to Zach. So I figured you need the other tag partner to beat the other tag partner in case they wanted to set up a tag title match, which also they can't do now because Naito's hurt. But yeah, I'll go with Sonata here, even though I would prefer Taichi to win. That's pretty much the boat I'm in. I'm just like, you know, I think they're going to treat Taichi well, but I don't think he's beaten Sonata, the guy that was, you know, 
a finalist in the G1 the year before. Right. They um, could. I mean, I, I think Tai Chi could take that victory and, like, it would be totally, you know, if not the right thing to do, it would be acceptable, you know? Like, people would be like, oh, okay, Tai Chi's that guy. I know, Tai Chi is that guy at that level. I'm not against it. And, you know, it's the G1, so anything could happen. But um, the the main event of the night, we've got the match everyone's been waiting for. The Rainmaker, Kazushiko Kata versus Evil. (laughs) (laughs) It's a testament to how unwatchable Evil matches are that the last Okada versus Evil wasn't any good. You know, like, I just, like, Okada is someone who can elevate opponents, right? He's like a Tanahashi. They can bring out the best in their opponents, and I just don't see it. I just, this this might be super bad, too, because... With uh, someone level of Okada, Evil's probably going to have more shenanigans. You know, he's going to have the garrote. He's going to have some crazy stuff. Show's going to be there. You know, with the chaos angle, right? Um, so it's it could get bad. I don't know, and <laughs> I have no faith in this match to be even decent. Yeah, and it's also tough because you know these guys are going to be two guys that are going to be finishing twelve points at the top of the block. They're going to be fighting till the very last night. So this is a very crucial match for both of these guys for the rest of the tournament. Uh, however, I am going to go with Okada just because of the whole Rainmaker being back. He never really used the Rainmaker a ton with Evil in this run, and so that that could be the big difference that kind of puts him over Evil. I, I just have to believe in the light and the goodness and go with Kazushika Okada, but uh, this is a, a winnable match for Evil, so it's hard to, you know, uh, especially if they want to kind of get especially if Okada is going to win this tournament and they're trying to gear evil up for some sort of main event run. It logically does make sense to me for them to have a lot of cheating, have evil go over. I just hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, after the, the Rainmaker's back speech, I think it's likely that a lot that his losses are more down the stretch. Like if Okada has to lose, it's going to be more, you know, as the tournament wears on and, you know, takes its toll on him, he's hurt from previous matches, that sort of thing. I think that would make sense. I think he would throw a bucket of cold water on people right now if he's like, Rain Ranger's back and then I just lost you. Yeah. September 26th. Uh, hold on, Jeff. Let, got- me, let me do this one because the card changed up a little bit with uh, the order with Naito uh, being injured. And there's also uh, a Young Lion match too. Um, so it's going to open up with uh, Master Wato against Fujita in the non-tournament opener. Guessing uh, Watto is uh, going to win that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then the uh, the second match will be uh, the replacement match. It'll be Yuji Nagata versus Shingo Takagi in the second match. I just figured they're they're headlining that. I'm like badass, you know. <laughs> Shingo Nagata headline, yes. <laughs> uh, but I, I if I was them, I'd have Nagata go over. You know, just keep it fresh, <laughs> keep it spicy. You know, get another challenger in there for Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nagata should win all these like matches and be like, <laughs> I should have been in the G one. I beat all these people in the G one. I want a shot. I want a taste. I was I was hoping that like he would be the replacement guy every night, and then he was like basically just still in the G one. Right. And you know that would be awesome. <laughs> but yeah, Shingo's gonna you know pumping bomber him to hell. So yeah. Then the third match will be Great Okan versus Yujiro Takahashi. I don't even know what to think about that match right now. Um, 
I don't know. I'm going to go with Ocon, I guess. Yeah, I think Ocon will uh, knock off the big juice here and get the win. Yeah, that's probably right. I don't. I'm more concerned. Like, I don't really care who wins. <laughs> but I'm more concerned like <laughs> about the clash of styles, right? Like, just in your head, like, can you see that match? Can you picture like how that's gonna go and be good no. or be decent, right? Yeah, it's just one of those things where like I don't see these guys gelling at all. Not huge is gonna prove me wrong and go berserk. But, okay. <laughs> don't. Who are you to doubt huge huge? <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. Uh, then fourth match of the night will be Toroyano versus Tangaloa. Yeah, I've got a. <laughs> you can tell our excitement with the, with the silence. I got yeah, that, that pregnant pause. You know, Yano only, Yano only gets a couple wins, you know, per year, and they're usually over pretty big guys for important reasons. So I'm pretty sure Tangaloa is going to beat him. Yeah, and I think they probably want to sprinkle that, you know, further apart the Yano shenanigans. Yeah, leading to an actual win. Yeah, I mean, he, he he got his win over Kenta. He's coming with two points. Tangaloa lost to Great Khan. So, yeah, I think this is, a, this is a good match for Tangaloa to win and get some points on the board. Then the semi-main event will be Tomohiro Ishii versus Kenta. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, we've seen them have some great matches in the past, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, in this case, I'm going to go with Kenta. Because he usually seems to have Ishii's number. I don't know, man. Part of me is saying go Ishii. You know what? I'm going Ishii. I'm going to listen to my gut, you know? <laughs> I just had that same, like, a very similar internal struggle. But I came out with uh, Kenta on top. Because I think that's, uh, I think, I don't know. I think uh, he like, kids are born that kind of get, you know, two points over somebody credible like Ishii. And uh, Ishii will be able to. Take that loss at this point. Yeah, I'm also gonna, I'm also going to go with Kenta. I mean, we we have Ishii, uh, you know, beating Abushi on the 23rd, um, and Kenta needs to you know, get some points on the board as well. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to go with Kenta. This should be a great match. I, I really enjoyed their uh, the Royal Quest match, and a lot of people kind of hated on that match, but I think these guys have good chemistry. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, then the main event will be Kota Abushi versus Zack Saber Jr. That sounds awesome um you know say what you will about these cards they're at least giving us some really great main events and top of the card stuff so um i so i've got i had saber going back to you know back to back the two nights yeah i think he needs to um beat abushi here too i think abushi's got to lose the first three nights so and that's kind of his redemption story his slump so yeah, I, I think I'm going ZSJ. Yeah, I'm going to go Zach as well. Yeah, really have Abushi hitting rock bottom and having to you know really refine refine himself and fight towards the end here. And then again, I'll give Saber a big win um, and kind of keep Saber alive going down the line as well. Yeah, I have a similar line of thought. Um, the only I only hesitate because Abushi taking three losses. Doesn't that make it kind of predictable, right? That he's going to surge towards the end, right? Like, um, but then again, it might be predictable for a reason because that's what they usually do. Um, so I, I, I'll take Saber, but I'm not super, super confident in that. I do think it's possible he only takes the two losses and then gets the comeback win against Saber. So I'm not discounting that either, and that might be the way to go. But it's man, this 
this term is so hard to call this time. <laughs> yeah, it is so unpredictable. Like with just the with the booking, the COVID, the injuries. Like who who knows what what's gonna happen. Well, that wraps up our G1 coverage for this week. Also, next week we'll be back to review those three shows and uh, preview the next set of nights. So now we're going to shift gears to New Japan Strong. And this past Saturday, we had the start of the Fighting Spirit Unleashed Tour, the taping with fans that they did in California the, the Monday after Resurgent. So this was, you know, the new time, Saturday, uh, 8 p.m. on New Japan World. Uh, show opened up with Tomohiro Ishii defeating Alex Coughlin. Hard hitting. I really enjoyed this show. I did get a chance to watch Strong. Me and Jeremy watched that together Saturday night. And uh, yeah, man, Ishii Coughlin's awesome. Ishii, another one of these guys in his challenge series. You know, the hard fought match, you know, good action, but uh, Ishii put him away. Yeah, that was really good too. Um, Coglin's clearly ready, right? <laughs> he's, he's only a young lion in name, right? He's clearly at that level where he could go. Um, it was a short match, though, right? It was like nine minutes. Um, I thought the the live crowd helps the show, right? Because live crowd, obviously, you know, wrestling is meant to be performed in front of people. But I thought they were still kind of like very reserved for an American crowd, especially. I was like, why aren't they louder? Because this match is pretty good, you know? And especially, you know, I mean, I don't know how long they were there at that point. Like, were they, was this like a taping that happened right after something else? Or? No, this was the no. start of the tapings, right. but it was like a, it was like a, I think like 500 fans. It was a small crowd, but it was like a diehard New Japan fan base hmm. that are more respectful and actually, you know, watch. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, we'll actually watch a match and then like clap and cheer as the match gets going. So, yeah, it might have started off quiet, but I thought it was good. But like, how will people know that this is awesome, Jeremy? <laughs> I don't understand. Nobody, nobody told them to fight forever. How, how will they know to keep fighting? Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought the match was really good, and like you mentioned, it, I, did, I, I wanted mean, to know which guy, if it was one of these guys or both, or these both guys. of these guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I do think you know having the fans, like we mentioned, adds a ton to the energy for this show. That was all the show was really missing. Um, yeah, great here and a great, a great opener here, Tomorucci in the brainbuster on Coglin. So in the uh, the mid match we had um, Clark the Hawk. mid match well not not that way mid the the, the middle <laughs> match the second match <laughs> we had um, Clark Connors Hiroshi Tanahashi and Carl Fredericks uh, defeating the Stray Dog Army of Barrett Brown Bateman and Mysterioso thirteen minutes and thirty three seconds yes that happened. Um... Yeah, it was fun. It was, it was uh, I didn't even write down a rating. I guess I didn't remember it that well. Um, you know, I dug this quite a bit. Just, like, kind of the novelty of, like, meshing the worlds of, like, you know, we got the Stray Dog Army and all the kind of, like, internal, like, stories going on with them. You know, and then, obviously, Connors and Fredericks. But then you kind of just throw Tanahashi into the mix. And it's, like, this giant big superstar is, like, you know, truly, like, an excursion match. I don't know. It kind of reminded me of, like, when, like, Mill Mascaris would like show up places and do like six man tags or like Dusty Rhodes or something like that, you know. This big this big outside star shows up and he like teams with the you know, the local baby faces to get over on the bad guys. And uh I thought the match was good at thirteen minutes. I didn't think it overstayed its welcome and I, I thought everyone looked every all, all, all like six of these guys are studs, so 
yeah, good match. I think having Tanahashi on strong definitely helps. You know, bringing one of the mainstays, one of the top stars on the show was a great look. And then teaming him up with Fredericks and Connors, two guys that you're looking to, to be the future of this company, especially the, this strong brand. And so, yeah, fun little matchup here. Uh, Carl Fredericks gets the win for the team. And then post-match, he uh, cuts a promo calling out Will Ospreay. Wants to prove that he's not a young boy anymore. Osprey is there, comes out, confronts him. Um, you know, pretty much says, you know, you're you're still a young boy, and they have a, a brawl. And Osprey leaves him laying and says he'll see him in Texas, young boy. So, looks yeah, like that Os- was cool. I thought that was good. You know, like that's how you build matches, right? He comes out there, Osprey is looking every part, every bit the uh, part of champion, right? He right. looked great. Uh, Carl rips off his uh, slim fit just shirt <laughs> and starts going to town. And then uh, Osprey hits him with the hidden blade. Um, that looked good too. Yeah, I thought that's, you know, that's very like, you know, booking 101, right? That's what should have happened. Instead of just going cold into the next show, let's do something. And uh, yeah, it's I, I thought it built heat, you know. I'd be excited if I had tickets for that show. Yeah. Um, we had a question from Chalk to Lock. Who is the best young line out of the LA Dojo and why is it Clark Connors? What do you guys think? Uh, Carter's is really good. He's, 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 um, I don't know about that nickname, but it's also kind of fitting, right? The, oh, rhino. the wild rhino. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's really good. I mean, I, I, ever like, is, is this out of LA Dojo ever? I don't know. Fredericks is really good too. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, it's so early in their careers, right? It's so early. Yeah. And, and one, you know, guy is still kind of young lion status. I mean, he has a nickname, but he doesn't have anything else, right? Yeah, I um you know what's funny though? This might be a hot take, but like I'm kind of more one of the no gay dojo guys. Like there was a period like a year or two ago where I thought the LA Dojo guys were smoking, you know, Suji and Narita and all them. Um and Yuimora, but like not anymore, man. I'm kind of like much higher on Yuimora and Suji right now. And then even just seeing like what's going on with Oiwa and like uh, Fujita, I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I really, really, really like the LA Dojo guys, all of them. But I'm like, they might want to step it up. They got some uh, some competition coming their way, you know. <laughs> yeah, Suji especially for me. I, you know, I really, really like Suji a lot. Um, it's also really hard to compare because they're in different kinds of matches. And I mean, we'll see right. more like a Suji's on excursion. But the strong is a different product right like right. It's, it's, it feels very different the match structures are different it's more like kind of indie style a lot of the matches uh not that there's anything wrong with that you know i love rich ladders pro wrestling um <laughs> but, uh, but so it's hard to compare it's hard to you know like i think suji looks great in the matches he's having maybe connor's and fredericks would look great you know in, in, in their in that style of match also yeah the dirty secret Rich Lads Pro Wrestling is just any good pro wrestling. <laughs> He's just throwing his name on everything that's good. <laughs> uh, for me, I, I think I, I'm more of a Fredericks guy. Um, I mean, he's a guy that's been pushing, obviously, but I, I do think, for at least for right now, I think he's kind of still at top. I mean, Connors is awesome, so is Coughlin, uh, kind of that, that original class of guys. But I don't know. I just think there's more, probably a little bit more upside with Fredericks. So then the main event of the evening, tables match. We had Hikaleo defeating Juice Robinson uh, 9 minutes and 57 seconds. Um, I would go as far as to say this might be my favorite of the like major um, 
stipulation blow off matches on strong. They've had a few of them now. And I feel like this was maybe the best one. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was really good. Um, I mean, they did a great job building to the match and also building up, you know, they had Hikaleo lay out juice the previous night to set uh, the previous strong, set this whole table match up. And yeah, I thought they worked really hard with a lot of great table, you know, near bumps. Uh, juice took a nasty landing. He did try to do that senton. Um, he's supposed to go through table, but kind of bounced. He had a, I am the table moment there. But yeah, fun, fun matchup here. Hikaleo puts juice through the table. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, I thought it was a fun match. I, it is a little strange that a blow-off match is like 10 minutes. You know, well, well, it's not It's not the blow-off. We got some, new, yeah. we got some news on that. <laughs> right, right. So it's not the blow-off, but it sort of felt like it was going to be the blow-off. Like, to you hear a tables match, I'm like, okay. But it was a blow-off to me. <laughs> in fact, it was like the uh, the Buried Alive match, and then they're going to do the Hell in the Cell later. You know, like, it, like the stipulation match was not it. Um, yeah, that was a gnarly, that was a nasty bump. Um I also did, really didn't like the uh, I didn't like to see it. It was good, you know, for the match, but the top rope slam, the juice to the leg side of the table, who was laying oh, down with legs yeah. up, and he landed on that. I was like, oh, that could go wrong so easily, you know, like you just mess your whole shit up. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, like it's it's impressive to see Hikaleo coming along, right? Like, like I, there was a point there where like I thought like this guy's not gonna reach that next level, right? Like he's stagnating, uh, but you know, excursion system works. You know, he he is reaching that next level. He looks confident. He looks good, uh, and he's getting better all the time. He's he's doing little things. You know, that make sense in the match. Um, he's not awkward at all like he used to be. So yeah, it was it was it was a good little match. But it, that's how I describe it. It was it was kind of a short match, right? It was sub yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, good good little main event here. We had a question from Rambone Slam Pig: Has Juice reached his ceiling as a lower mid carder in NJPW? job into the likes of Hikaleo, what would it take to get him sorted out? At what point, at one point he seemed to be a possible star. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit harsh. I mean, Juice Robinson was a star. He headlined, you know, shows and held major titles and, you know, literally the trajectory of his career only started to kind of go down after the big loss to Mox, essentially. Um, you know, I think that for me, he started to repackage himself a little bit during that Mox match when he cut his hair off. And it was a signifier that like, okay, I'm going somewhere different with this character moving forward. And then he took the loss. And then afterwards, when he came back, it was Blues Brothers. It was, you know, this and that. And, you know, it just kind of felt like the paint taker. He, yeah, the the fake taker. He he reverted as a character and kind of lost a little bit of a sense of like the direction of his career. And you know, a lot of it doesn't help that it all happens seemed to coincide at the same time as uh, you know, COVID. I mean, the guy can still go. He still has great matches. He's still an incredible performer. But you know, um, as far as like that story of him starting as a young lion and then. You know, having the feuds with Goto and him having the feuds with Kenny Omega and the feud with, you know, this guy and that guy and, you know, Cody Rhodes and all that, it, that stuff's kind of gone past. And so he either is done. In my opinion, he's either pretty much done in New Japan and needs to leave the territory, go somewhere else and do something else. 
or he needs to be totally repackaged, new fresh coat of paint. I'm not saying change him entirely, but I'm, I am saying like this character needs to change. He needs new life. Yeah. yeah, well, we're seeing him in love territory, right? He goes to TNA, he's the same juice. So I don't know if that's the solution to anything. And I started cutting you off, Jeremy. What's um, what's TNA? <laughs> uh, Impact, my Impact bad. wrestling, pal. <laughs> I'm old, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's that. I think he has to be repackaged because he's, he's you know, how like uh, they say, like most guys like need to be an extension of themselves or an amplified version of themselves. I feel like juice is one of those guys. It's the opposite with him. I think you have to fight you know his tendencies to just be that i'm just here to have a good time character and the jester character because we've seen that there's only so much mileage you can get out of that no matter who you are right at a certain point it gets kind of corny and gets kind of played out and you just don't want to see it anymore because it's not well defined it's just a thing right like i'm just a party guy right like he's doing the blues brothers he's like what what is that like it's nothing it's it's just whatever you know pops into his head he's i think if he was to turn heel and like so like he's with a faction that has some identity right that he would be much better off to just yes he would be playing against type because that's not what he would naturally do but i think that's what he needs he needs like to be more disciplined so he can be serious in the ring because when he's serious in the ring he's really good you know he's he's really i still remember like a goto match that he had with g in g1 i think a few years ago and it was great it was a great match and it was like the first match where i saw it where he wasn't like assing off and just like you know like he gets serious then he gets silly then he gets serious then he gets silly um no i mean he's a really good wrestler and if he was just serious like people would take him seriously but at this point it's like the Rambones might be a little harsh, you know, but he's not entirely wrong that, like, yeah, he's kind of a lower mid-carder at this point. But he's, as far as talent goes, he's better than that. I think he's he, he could be more near the top of the card. He was an upper mid-carder. That's now a lower mid-card. Right, but there's, yeah. but there's no reason he couldn't be at that, like, at that level still. Like, like has he right. physically diminished? Not at all. I don't think so. Like, he's still probably close to his physical prime. Um, and, you know, as far as, like, being a veteran and like you know knowing enough to have great matches with a bunch of different people he's at that level too uh it's just i feel like this whole gimmick or lack of gimmick or whatever it is really kind of holds him back because it kind of defines like the whole structure of the match he's talking to the fans and then we're supposed to take him seriously the next second it's just very awkward yeah and right. part of it too is kind of might have something to do with the whole Gaijin unrest and maybe what Jesus' status is. You know, maybe after his contract is up, maybe he wants to leave New Japan and maybe the office knows that, that he's going to leave. And so they're not booking him super high because he's going to leave, but they're you know giving him some interesting programs and using him to help get Hikaleo over and help get some of these other younger guys over. And that, that might be the case. Or maybe, okay, maybe Jesus is just happy with what he's doing. He's happy being... This, this you know smiley mid car bay face. He's he's getting a paycheck. He gets to to work impact. He gets to stay here in the states, work strong, and maybe that's all he wants to do. So who knows? I guess we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, if that's the case, more power to him. Yeah, but in either case, I thought he did a really great job making uh, uh, Hikaleo look good in this match. So uh, yeah. Next week on Strong, the Fighting Spirit Unleashed Tour will continue. The show will open up. We'll have Yuji Nagata on the show teaming up with Yuya Yamura, taking on Kevin Knight in the DKC. Then the second match will be Switchblade Jay White against the best friends Wheeler Utah. And then the big main event, the hottest feud going in New Japan Pro Wrestling today, Mr. No Days Off Fred Rosser takes on 
Ren Narita, and we we know people who have been the tapings and said this is an absolute banger. They've done a great job heating this rivalry up between Narita and Rosser, and I'm really looking forward to this uh, main event here. Very much ready for that. <laughs> been waiting for for some time now, so. And in other strong news, we have the Autumn Attack tapings happening this weekend in Texas, uh, Saturday, September 25th and 26th. A new match was announced. You know, we talked a lot, a lot about Juice and Hikaleo. These guys will be facing off in a Texas Bull Rope match on September 26th for the tapings here, and this was made official after. You know, Hikaleo got the win over Juice, so these guys are kind of going back and forth here in the rivalry. Continuing tickets still on sale for Texas, and we have... The full lineups here for both shows. So on September 25th, on Saturday, we'll have Minoru Suzuki versus Fred Rosser, Will Ospreay versus Carl Fredericks, Jay White versus Robbie Eagles, TJP, Clark Connors, Leo Rush, and Juice Robinson versus Hikaleo, Chris Bay, Taiji Shimori, and ELP, Tom Lawler versus Ren Narita, Rizke Taguchi, Renrocky Romero, the Mega Coaches versus the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jarrell Nelson, and Royce Isaacs. Then on night two, September 26th, Texas Bull Rope match will be Juice Robinson and Hikaleo. Then we'll have the Suzuki Goon reunion, Major Suzuki and Lance Archer versus Team Filthies, Tom Lawler and Royce Isaac. We have Leo Rush versus Taiji Ishimori, Switchblade, Jay White versus Red Death, Daniel Garcia. Will Ospreay will be having a mystery partner to take on Carl Fredericks and Clark Connors. And we have a question here from Viking Pain. Says, I don't know if you guys have heard about this or anything, but what's going on with Will Ospreay and Chris Hero? Are they working, or is this some sort of angle on Twitter? So have you have you guys seen the interactions of Ospreay and Hero? Yeah, I sort of caught up on that. Um, it didn't seem like it just seemed like Ospreay being you know uh, unlikable on Twitter <laughs> as is his wont, right? Um, just a troll. Yeah, yeah, it didn't seem like it didn't make sense. It wasn't like super coherent. I thought if they we're working, it would be clearer. Yeah, I mean, but that was uh, just my impression. Os- Osprey teasing, you know, uh, maybe a hero will come help me. And Chris was like, I made this very clear. I'll make it even clearer. Delete this tweet. I don't want you using my name to get fans excited to make them think I'm going to be there and I'm not going to be there. Um, so it doesn't seem like this is a work and heroes working along. It seems like Osprey just, you know, playing up. People who could possibly, he mentioned, he teased Buddy Murphy. So a buddy of mine might come. He's teasing all these people. Um, and so Hero was not, didn't seem very happy that he was being one of the guys teased. Unless it's a super work, you know, unless like they are going to be doing something together, but they, they really want to throw you off the scent. So, you know, they do this meta work basically, you oh, know. So 4D chess going on on Twitter. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that could be it. Um, other matchups, we have Robbie Eagles and Chris Dickinson versus ELP and Chris Bay. And then TJP will take on Yuya Uemura. Then we got some matches announced for the New Japan Showdown that will be happening in Philadelphia at the ECW Arena, 2300 Arena there, on Saturday, October 16th and 17th. We'll have North Suzuki versus Chris Dickinson on the 16th, and then Will Ospreay against Alex Zane on the 17th. And just as I looked on the website, some more matches were announced. So we're going to have on night one, Juice Robinson versus El Fantasmo. 
and then Switchblade Jay White versus Freddie Yehi. Then on night two, Alex Coughlin, the challenge series continues. He's going to take on Jonathan Gresham. Should be a great matchup there. And also on night two in Philly, there's going to be a big 10-man tag as Fred Rosser, Paul Fredericks, Rocky Romero, Ren Narita, and the DKC will take on all of Team Filthy, Tom Lawler, J.R. Kratos, Royce Isaac, Sherrell Nelson, and Danny Limelight. Tickets on sale for both Texas and Philly. If you're in those areas, both of these cards look really good, and I would definitely find a way to get to these shows. Um, and then some other news here to uh, close out the news section. Uh, this coming up Friday, we have the the Rampage Grand Slam. Eddie Kingston and John Moxley, they're going to be taking on Suzuki and Lance Archer in a lights-out match. So that's Friday on Rampage, special two-hour Rampage on TNT. Check that big match out. Uh, Defy Wrestling, Kevin Blackwood is going to be taking on Yua Yomura at Defy's Hellbent on October 14th at the Lodge Room in Highland Park. So should be another fun match there for Yomura. Then this past weekend, we had Rev Pro High Stakes 2021, and there was a lot of NJPW involvement on this Rev Pro show. We had Shota Umino Shooter defeating Dan Maloney 14-17, we had Yota Suji defeating Mark Haskins 2145 and Suji debuting a new look, kind of coming out with like a like a, a Jesus looking robe, and then he had like black tights and red boots. Did you guys see uh Suji's new look floating around on Twitter? I did not. I'm looking it up now. I'm gonna <laughs> see what this looks like. I I did see this, I just didn't know what it meant. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what what the gimmick is supposed to be or what he what he's working for there. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll get some more info on <laughs> what what exactly uh, Suji's working with here. Uh, I thought it might be like I don't know, like a Dragon Ball Z monk sort of monk? thing. Yeah, like he's like Dragon Ball like early curling. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure myself. Oh, either. I just saw it. Oh, yeah, that that's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Did he just wrestle in trunks though? Just yeah, yeah, trunks he wrestled in normal trunks. Okay. So yeah, he's you know. he had he had red kick pads on. Yeah, huh. yeah, the, the trunks look cool. Yeah, I wasn't feeling the rope gimmick. Uh, then we also had a tag title match: the Rev Pro British Tag Titles and the PWA Tag Team Titles were on the line. Aussie Open they defeated Destination Everywhere of Connor Mills and Michael Oku, so they are now the. Double champs, they are PWA and the Rev Pro Tag Champions. And then the main event for the Rev Pro Undisputed British Heavyweight Championship and the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship, Will Ospreay defeats Ricky Knight Jr. to become the Undisputed Undisputed British Heavyweight Champion in Rev Pro post-match angle, Aussie Open uh, comes out and helps Osprey beat down Ricky Knight and Shooter Omino, and they put on the United Empire shirt, so it looks like Aussie Open are officially members of the United Empire. So a question here from Boots and Burns. Now that Aussie Open has joined the United Empire, do you see them eventually making their way to Japan and becoming the designated tag team of the faction? Um, yes, I actually do, and I think... We've kind of speculated on Aussie Open quite a bit in the past, especially since 
you know, when New Japan did some of those um, Red Pro shows, they were kind of featured on them. They even had what was basically a tryout match with G.O.D. at at a certain point. Um, But with travel restrictions and then COVID and other things like that, it's just never worked out that they've been able to get them in. And I think now with the lack of tag teams and everything like that and some stuff starting to open up a little bit more, I I do think that the push to have them potentially come to New Japan makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Danny? Yeah. Otherwise, why would they do it, right? <laughs> otherwise, why would I mean, unless the idea is just to have people everywhere he goes, Osprey. But eventually, you have to think he's not going to be going everywhere, right? Eventually, he's just going to be back in New Japan. Um, yeah. So I think logically. Eventually that'll happen, but who knows what that timetable looks like. I hope it's sooner rather than later, but there's no telling at this point. Yeah, I mean, Aussie Open, they're a great tag team, and I think there would be, you know, a a breath of fresh air in the tag team division in New Japan, especially for those long world tag league tours. It's always great to get a new, fresh team like Aussie Open, and definitely think it does some interesting things for the United Empire going forward. And we have a question from Just a Little Bear Zero One. It is New Japan Tangential, but thoughts of Osiopi joining the United Empire in Rev Pro. So we kind of touched on that. Any other thoughts on these guys joining United Empire? Oh, like you said, they need tags. They need tag teams, right? And uh, tag teams, like a dedicated tag team, as opposed to makeshift tag teams, all the more, you know? How many of those do we actually have? Right. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with that. So then moving on, we had Suzuki defeating Jonathan Gresham this past weekend at a GCW show. And then there was a uh, post-match angle between Nick Gage and Suzuki, which is setting up a singles match for Suzuki and Nick Gage at GCW's War Ready on October 23rd. Also, Suzuki was announced for Bloodsport on October 25th, or excuse me, October 24th. So his opponent not announced yet, but Suzuki working GCW. Those weekends, then the Monday free match is Tomohiro Ishii versus Kota Ibushi from the G1 Climax 28. So a great match to watch to get ready for their rematch this year. And then last news item here, there was a multi-promotional show on September 14th at Corken Hall to celebrate the 70th anniversary of Japanese pro wrestling. show drew 514 fans and it featured 2AW, NOAA, Big Japan, Michigan Pro and New Japan um, setting a match and other companies like Dragon Gate DT and All Japan sent other wrestlers for a battle royal. Uh, the New Japan match was Yuji Nagata and Ritsuke Taguchi defeating Hiroshi Tenzon and Master Wato. And then we just have one other question here, some fight questions here for you, uh, young boy. What are, your th- nice. what are your thoughts on Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler 2 this weekend? Better like than never. Is it weird that we're about to have watched them fight before and after their primes, especially when they've been in the same promotions during their primes? Uh, yes. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, um, it is weird that, I mean, Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler fought in the early days of the UFC. And uh, this is a fight that I've always wanted to see happen again. But the, the even stranger thing about it is just the fact that Nick Diaz is returning <laughs> to MMA at all. After I think the last time we fought was like 2015, 2014. It was against Anderson Silva, and he was pretty infrequent up to that point too. I think he hadn't fought in like two years. So 
you know, this guy hasn't really been a full-time fighter since before the uh, GSP fight that he had. Um, whereas, like, Robbie Lawler kind of, like, came into his own at the later stages of his career, won the UFC welterweight title. And, you know, now we're get, getting to see them fight each other. And I don't really know what to expect, to be honest, at all. Um, so, yeah, and, I mean, they did spend time in strike force, uh, you know, during their primes. And I guess they were both in the UFC briefly, uh, for that second stint, but uh, you know, Nick Diaz likes to scrap. Robbie Lawler likes to scrap. They're two of my favorite fighters of all time, so I'm I'm just glad we're getting it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I I hope it's not sad. You know, neither guy is like ancient, so it should be okay. You know, um, but I hope it's not one of those things that after it actually happens, we're like, oh, something's a better left in the past. You know, like if they both like failed to pull the trigger because one hasn't fought since 2015, the other one hasn't won in like five years. So um, that's true. The only thing though is Robbie still always looks game for the most yeah. part. Um, but Nick, we, he's the big question mark. We don't know what to expect, you know, and maybe if, if Robbie Lawler like blows him out, then it's like, okay, Nick Diaz is done. The thing though, there is the chance that Nick Diaz is just, still super limber still has that gas tank and he does kind of make Robbie Lawler look bad. Um, but that would be more of a testament to Nick Diaz as opposed to a, you know, indictment on Robbie Lawler. So I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, we literally have no idea what to expect, right? Six years is a long time. We haven't seen at all. Nothing like, so who knows? I mean, it probably will be a war though. Like just based on who they are and everything, it's most likely that that's the case. <laughs> Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, should be a good fight. Then his other question says, it feels like it's been forever since a big boxing fight. What are your thoughts on Anthony Joshua versus Alexander this weekend? Uh, I don't know. I felt like that Canelo fight earlier this year was a pretty big fight. Um, who did he fight again? Oh, yeah, Billy Joe Saunders. That was a big deal. Um, you know, so every Canelo fight's a big deal. But anyways, How quickly we forget all the thriller events. I can't believe this. What are you talking about? You haven't been a big, any big boxing fights. Yeah, Vitor Belfort fought, fought Vander Holyfield. What? Yo, how about uh, shout out to my boy Anderson Silva just fucking icing um, Tito Ortiz. <laughs> oh, it was bad. Anyways, um, you know, I've got Usyk in this Anthony Joshua fight. And um, it's probably wrong. Anthony Joshua, I believe, is favored. And, I mean, he's got – the power and the size and the experience at heavyweight. But um, I don't know, man. Usyk's a fucking killer. Like, he's just really, really good. And uh, I know everyone's hoping for this Anthony Joshua versus, um, you know, Gypsy King fight to to happen. And, like, I'm not so confident it's ever going to happen. And, uh, you know, Joshua's got to get past Usyk. But, I mean, Usyk's a, a killer, man. He really, really is. And, um you know, we'll see. I think, I think if Joshua wins, he's going to get seriously tested here. And I mean, Joshua is a great, great, great fighter. My, okay. So my biggest problem with, with Joshua, he has terrible head movement and always has, even in the second fight with, um, uh, Andy Ruiz, he used really great range and really great angles and good footwork to stay out of, out of range. But when it comes to just standing in front of a guy and moving your upper body and slipping and ducking punches and, and all that, he can't do it. He never has been able to do it. Uh, 
and he's not good going backwards. Those are his two biggest faults. Other than that, he's almost a completely perfect fighter. He's got power in both his hands. He can fight on the inside. He can fight at range. He's got good footwork, good stamina. He's got a pretty good chin. But he cannot move his – he's just got terrible head movement. And he gets hit a lot in his fights. And until the Andy Ruiz fight, it felt like nobody was talking about it. But me and my friends have always talked about the fact that he has bad head movement. And Usyk's got dynamite in his hands. I'm not saying Usyk's going to win, but I'm giving him the edge to knock this guy out. Nice. How many points does he get for a win? What? How many points does he get for a win? (laughs) Two. You get two. (laughs) Making sure. You get one for a draw and zero for a loss. (laughs) Got it. Well, now, last thing we have to do here is a recommended match of the week. So, last week, our buddy Chris Samsa recommended Tanahashi versus Naito from the 2013 G1 Finals. And oh, that's when that's when Naito beat Tanahashi. Yeah, uh, watched this match before we recorded, and it's it was, good, but it's different, right? It's different, but it's also kind of sad because Tanahashi's working on Naito's knees the whole match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? it starts out wrapped. Yeah, yeah, the knees are wrapped, and there. Tanahashi's like jacking the knees up the whole match. And I'm just like, damn, this is hard to watch. <laughs> Uh, did you get what to rewatch this, Danny? Yeah, it, it's a it's a really really good match. You know, I don't know if it's five stars, but it's really really good. And with twenty twenty one eyes, it's also really interesting to watch too, right? Because this is Stardust Genius Naito, right? And so right. much of the the narrative around uh, pre Dark Ace Naito is that is is about that Wrestle Kingdom eight, you know, losing the vote and having to be in the semi in the co-main as opposed to the main, even though it was the world title or the NGPW heavyweight title. Um is about that and about how, you know, like he had bad reception a couple of times. Um like that that like the narrative now seems to be like uh like it was like a failed experiment of some sort like Naito and he had to flee to Mexico, reinvent himself and come back. And yeah, that happened. I mean he did go to Mexico, he came back, he's you know uh he changed his whole, you know, stick up. Um, but that kind of belies that he was really over at this time. Like the crowd is super, super hot for him. They, they all Naito, Naito. As the match goes on, it kind of gets more 50-50 with the crowd. But he was really, really over. And like, it's just interesting to watch now because you don't hear that, you know, like so much of it is about like how he had to become, you know, tranquilo. Um, but he was, you know, he was a really good baby face too, and the crowd really liked him. Shuyaku. <laughs> this was, in all, in, in in his defense though, this was the absolute pinnacle and height of his baby face run. Like it is completely downhill from this point because within just a couple events, he's gonna be getting no responses, and he's actually gonna get booed even before that Wrestle Kingdom match, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, but to, to hear the story now, you would think he never hit these heights, you know? No, like, no, like, no. Yeah, and like he that, was, he was unsalvageable. Like, yeah, like, you know. He, no, he was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, totally. it, it was just kind of crazy, too, seeing the way he wrestled, because he was doing a lot more high-flying as well, like the, the, the flipping senton. Also, he, he won with the, the Stardust Press, and he has a great back-and-forth matchup. Also, a, a lot of flavor that we've seen in a normal Tanahashi Naito match. Also, working on the knees, Tanahashi Dragon Screw, the Cloverleaf. With a big part in the match, Tanahashi hitting the high fly flow uh, to the outside. 
Uh, yeah, but that was just seemed like a very big moment where Naito finally got up at that Stardust press on Tanahashi. The crowd lost their mind that night when he won and got the, the big trophy, the big check, the big presentation. It was like, you know, they were trying to, you know, they were trying to make their new guy right then and there. Also, we know it didn't quite work out that way, but in that moment in time, a huge moment for Naito, um, you know, beating the ace in a G1 final. Uh, it was great stuff. Uh, so, Danny, you have the uh, recommended match of the week for us for this week. Yeah, so um, I'll give people a break from the G1 just to see something different, right, which kind of should uh, make you appreciate the G1 matches more. I, I think, you know, like this will be the Yano match, right? <laughs> um, but it's not, totally. It's uh, I picked the Keiji Muto versus Nobuhiko Takata from the January 4th, 96 uh, Dome show does obviously pre Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I think Josh, you mentioned that it's the biggest match in history um, for for New Japan. It was completely sold out and super hot crowd, super super hot. They had another match in October of the previous year, which some people rate higher. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say this is a five star match, but it's just a completely different kind of match, especially for the time. It was Puro versus Shoot. Um, yeah. Which is just, you know, like at the time when I, I actually saw it way back when I didn't see it live, but I saw it on tape and I was like, what is this? You know, it was so different. You know, it was just like that first Okada Omega. It just hit different. You're like, this is really different. This is something they're doing something. That's I also unlike. think it was a uh, title versus title at the time as well. Yeah, you might be right. I'm not sure about that. I'd, ha- um, I'd have to look again, but I, I recall like um, the posters saying title for title and, you know, the the belt that uh, that they used in the UWFI was the same belt that it was the belt that was donated by um, Luthez. And they called it the Real World Wrestling Championship. So, <laughs> and they were challenging all the other champions of the world. So, you know, it was IWGP versus Real World's title, and uh, you know, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, I think it aged really well, but uh, but uh, with a caveat that. It benefited at the time from people not knowing what MMA really looked like, right? They, like all they had was like pancreas and that sort of thing. Like now that you know, like okay, someone can't sit in a heel hook for that long. Like that's not possible, right? right. Like like it, it, you know, it's a little different on rewatch, but it's still really good for what it is. Like they work it really well. Like I love that Takata counter to the figure four that he does. That he just throws his arm up, and he's done it, you know, before and since, obviously. But it's just it's such a simple little thing. Like why don't other people do that? You know, like that makes sense. Um, but there's a lot of little things like that, and everything looks like a struggle. Everything looks like a struggle, but not like in a botchy kind of way. Just kind of. Um, you know, that they're really fighting for position. And it's it's one of those matches since it's shoot versus Puro that when they actually do a Puro move, like Muda does a spin kick or actually gets a suplex, it gets a huge pop because it's so much harder to get against somebody like Takata. But yeah, it's a really interesting match. It's a, like I said, the crowd just is absolutely ape for this match. It's great. So I looked it up and I, I'm incorrect on that. It's not title versus title. But the reason I thought it was is because I know for a fact that I've seen programs or uh, like posters that said that it was title for title. And I think that maybe they changed it, but because only the IWGP titles on the line here. Hmm. Well, but, I'll tell you, this crowd didn't care. <laughs> they, title versus title, it's just a single title. They were rabid. No, because I mean, it's essentially ace versus ace. You've got at that time, the two biggest, and I mean, it sounds crazy, but in 1995, 
UWFI was bigger than All Japan. In fact, they were probably arguably somewhat bigger than New Japan. You've got the two biggest stars of, of the time. I mean, it's basically like Goldberg versus Steve Austin, but in mm. Japan. Well, I'm looking forward to checking this one out. You guys have been hyping this one up a lot, so definitely looking forward to well, checking we, this out. We've been hyping up the circumstances, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I, I wouldn't rate this five, but it's you know, it's just a moment in time that it, it, it is a good match. match yeah. But it it's one of those things where it's like it's one of the most important matches in the history of Japanese wrestling. So it's it'd be like a. You know, how, how much do you like Rock and Hogan? Mm, gotcha. You know? Yeah. It's an important match to watch because it's, you know, how much do you like Hogan Andre? Yeah. Right. Well, still, still down to check it out. So that's the recommended match of the week. Danny, thanks so much for joining us, us this week. Tell our listeners where they can find you online and plug all your stuff, man. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter uh, at NJPWEXT. And on my website, njpwext.us, um, you go there to find out everything you need to know about the extension that I wrote to, uh, to enhance NJPW World, like you so, um, so beautifully put at the start of every show. <laughs> um, and that's it for me on social media. I think I'm also on Reddit as njpwext, but I hardly ever post. Thanks. Yeah, if you guys haven't done it, man, there's a reason why we plug it every week. The EXT makes New Japan World so much better, so much easier to watch. So much better. They should be paying Danny millions and millions of dollars to to be working on NJPW World. Um, maybe maybe one day they will, but definitely check out the EXT. Check, sign up for the Patreon. Uh, support Danny, a guy that's been giving back to the New Japan community, and a uh, you know great guy, great guy to have in the New Japan content world. Thanks so much. Yeah. And that's going to wrap things up for us here this week. Next week, we'll be back to review the latest uh, G1 Climax 31 shows. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. The network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash social suplex. Also in the Wrestling Squared Circle group, facebook.com slash group slash wrestling squared circle. On Instagram, we are at social suplex. On Reddit, I'm the pro black guy. Y'all just keeping it strong style. You can email me, jeremy at social suplex.com. Also check out the Social Suplex Podcast Network YouTube channel. Starting to put some podcast clips up on that YouTube, so check that out as well. And check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Issue Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. We have The Grave Consequences with Caleb and Maserati. 8-Bit Suplex with Josh, number two. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. The Great Match Generator with Danny. And there might be uh, something new coming to the network as well. So stay tuned to that. Hasn't been approved by me. (laughs) Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And before we go, two last reminders. Send us your voice clips for appreciation of the 200th episode. And it would mean a lot to me and my family and my uh, nephew. Go follow his page on YouTube. Fennec, that's F-E-N underscore N, the number three, the letter C. Fennec. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts itchy bond
Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.